0: welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet.
1: May I have your attention, please? Will the real Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet please stand up? I repeat, will the real eat, sleep, suplex retweet please stand up? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you might have seen on social media. There might be two eat, sleep, suplex retweets, but there's only one, ESSR Central, and thankfully, as many people have told me, I'm grating, There is only one, Ross McLeod. I'm your host on this show today, and I'm joined by a very special guest, a man I've got in special for today's show, a man who is clearly the face behind the new Eat Sleep Suplex retweet that we are launching. Gary Gerdington. Gary, how are you? Hey, Ross. Ross, I
2: thought I was on pirate radio tonight, pirate broadcast <laughs> to be more accurate. So are you trying to tell me that you're not a Camarnock fan?
1: No, I'm not a Camarnock fan of, of, of the city or the club. Um, are, you
2: trying to, are you telling me that this
1: isn't Suplex underscore retweet? No it is not unfortunately yes for those of you listening you obviously know at the start of this show we always tell you where you can find us on social media you can find us at suplex retweet twitter facebook instagram youtube we are the only eat sleep suplex retweet unfortunately we are not under new management we are still under the tyranny of steven wilson but we, we like it, it's like North Korea, we, we, we'll go we'll grin and bear it for now. Uh, but this no, is Stockholm not. Syndrome, this
2: is what this <laughs> is. We've just been held hostage by Wilson for so long, we
1: got used to them. God, come North Korea and Stockholm, three shitholes mentioned already. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> also if you want to listen to the massive back catalogue of the only Eat Sleep like, retweet, Previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news. Try saying that, we're drinking you. You can find that. Eat, sleep, suplex, retweet. iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and Android. No dash in there. No imitations accepted. Gary, we don't like when things change. We think it's a bit stupid. Speaking of stupid, do you think trying to cash in a money in the bank contract for a United States title shot is a bit stupid? (laughs) Oh, it gets more stupid than that, Ross.
2: Is Seth Rollins not doing an open challenge just now? Yes, he is. You don't yeah. even need to cash in. You could just come out for the open challenge. <laughs> just be there. Be there. You just literally have to come out when he, <laughs> he's in the ring and ask for a title shot. That's how open challenges
1: work, isn't it? Uh, it uh, tends to be, Yes. <laughs> Yes, what we are talking about, of course, we've not done a show for the past two weeks. Uh, We do have a bumper show here. We've got Gary talking about all things uh, WWE. And then later on the show, Scott's going to join me for a preview of this weekend's Impact Overdrive pay-per-view and AEW's Full Gear. But on Monday, the 7th of November this past week, Seth Rollins had his open challenge. It was answered by Mustafa Ali, who was then Brutally Beaten by Bobby Lashley. And then, when Bobby Lashley decided, no, I just want to kick the shit out of Seth Rollins, out comes Mr Money in the Bank, the youngest Money in the Bank holder in history, Austin Theory, to cash in on a title that he already had. A title that he fought for on pay-per-view twice since he lost it, and a title that you said, (laughs) rightly Gary, there's an open challenge for. (laughs) It's just, I... Some of the, I know some people may have had different
2: views of that, but I found some of these almost cash-in moments to be quite entertaining. You know, mm. SummerSlam when Brock got a hold of him and dog Dome uh, clash at the castle, the spot with Fury, I thought was brilliant, totally brilliantly done. Uh, this one looks looks entirely silly, and people have been rightly. Uh, commented on it when some of these things happen in WWE, and particularly now that Vince isn't in control of the the booking. I often think let's let's get let's see how this plays out. So we did have that that angle, which looked you know utterly pointless uh, in so many ways. But maybe it looks like based on this week's RAW, it was maybe it's maybe the start of something. We're seeing a sort of different edge to theory. But my goodness, there is some stinking theory just now in the fans' eyes yeah. that he is going to have to go some way to come over. Uh, I think his these credibility has really been really been damaged through through this. But I hope it's the start of something, and maybe a start of a maybe a bit of a character transition where you start to see a, a darker, meaner side to theory. Because when you look at him, he is a unit. He is it's nice. Oh,
1: he is put together. Yeah, he does have that unfortunately he's incredibly good looking great beard great hair built like a unit as you said he is everything you would want to hate you know what i mean obviously not me being a greek god myself personally but you know for, his name. Uh-huh. for the troglodytes of our command look supporting audience mm-hmm. just one command support of <laughs> uh, no but what would you call it uh, for the for everyone else, you know, that isn't a, a god Look, like myself, he's everything you'd like to be, you know what I mean? He, he's, and he's so young, he's so talented, he's in the biggest wrestling company in the world. He does have that natural heel persona, and if he can just add, as you said, that little bit of edge, it could be something different. But we go back to the stupidness of it. Chris Murray said uh, before, I believe it was on one of the shows. He he didn't like the idea of having two matches for everything, you know, two money in the banks, two royal rumble,s two this, two that, because the women's title, because the women's division isn't as big, there's more opportunity mm-hmm. to get a title shot. The United States title isn't isn't up there in you know high regard like the world title. It's easier to get a shot at it. You know, Bobby Lashley was doing open challenges as well before he lost the title. So it's not as if you're never going to get the chance. And it it just... We'll talk about uh, WrestleMania because there has been rumours WrestleMania this year will see the return of the Money in the Bank ladder match. It will no longer be its own pay-per-view there's been rumours of King of the Ring because Mm -hmm. that might be coming back and that may take the slot of Money in the Bank, which I'm all for. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) the past few years of Money in the Bank, it really has been cheapened because I feel the Braun losing it pointlessly to a no contest hated that. Hated the Otis angle, hated the Baron Corbin angle. We've had, since 2017, Corbin won it, lost. Strowman won it, failed cash in. 2019, Brock Lesnar. That was okay. That was quite funny. But he he really didn't need the money in the bank. Yes. 2020, they massively misjudged the wave of support for Otis in the lead-up to WrestleMania. This was not a, a Yes-o-mania or a Kofi-mania sort of thing. This was just it was nice to see the guy get the girl and that should have ended there. Mouth mm-hmm. thing gets it, cashes in, loaded it eight days later to Bobby Lashley and then 2021, Big E, we all love Big E with a briefcase but then he didn't get the run he deserved and now 2022, it's now six years in a row where the Money in the Bank contract hasn't been used to its full potential yep. and, sorry, there you go,
2: Yeah, I think it's worse than that, Ross, because if you look at what has happened to the women's side, and I I might misremember, or forget some of the winners just now, but there are so many of the women that have won it that have then went on to cash in on the night. We've seen that this year with Love Morgan, Bailey's done it before. They have grown this mix also of people hold it for a while, but then other people lose it straight away. And the people that hold it for a while, they're sort of steaming momentum sometimes isn't maintained you know the Otis example is probably the best one that that one can think of if Otis had cast in more, more quickly afterwards I'm not saying on the same night Um there might have been something there Um with them all but you, yeah but because you've got the two of them it was almost like somebody needs to get rid of this quickly because we can't yeah. have two people walking about with these briefcases
1: saying and doing kind of the same type of things yeah and it's one of those ones triple h is very against intergender wrestling so i really don't think it matters mm-hmm. one person in the women's division has a money in the bank contract and one has a male one you know it's
2: ross i've just it, been able to check this to check i was right of the women's money in the banks, there's been seven of them, and six of them have been cashed in within 24 hours. The only exception was Carmella, who held it for 287 days, but that was kind of the second go-round of that one, if you like, so you can maybe scratch the first one. Alexa Bliss, when she won hers, cashed in to less than three hours later. Bailey, an hour and a half later, Aska 2020 didn't really cash in, did she? Uh, opened the briefcase and the title was there. Nikki A.S.H. A Day Later and Liv Morgan, as I said, on the same night of it.
1: Yeah. And it speaks to the um, I I love the bloodline and we'll we'll get into that a bit later when we talk about the now record-breaking usos Mm -hmm. but the Roman title run continues to book certain things into a corner Mm -hmm. because I said about I didn't want to see Roman's reign come to an end in a cash-in, but whoever beats Roman has to hold the title for a while. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to do Money in the Bank at WrestleMania, which I think they are, it meant that Theory had to lose the title. My theory, pardon the pun, was that he he was on NXT teasing a cash-in. We saw Charlotte Flair use her Royal Rumble opportunity Mm -hmm. for the NXT Women's Championship. I would have been fine if we, if we cashed in on the NXT title because it's a brand's specific title. You know, mm-hmm. it's still... It's that brand's world title. I wouldn't have minded at all, but... It's just... Yeah. I, I think they could have done better with it. I think that's the frustrating thing because we've been on this run of Triple H and, hey, let's see where it goes, but it just, I think it you're just right, an and... With a heel
2: holder of the money of the bank and a heel champion, it's unlikely that you'll get the cash in. If he had cashed in on Roman and came up short, you know he probably could have got over that. Maybe if they'd done the, especially I'm going to cash in with you for Survivor Series or whatever the pay per view is, and you knew it, the match was match was coming. He could have come out of that with a, a degree of of dignity. But yeah. With the idea of and I agree with you, I think money in the bank is going to return to WrestleMania, and I really hope that it does, because I think WrestleMania misses it. Um so that makes you know on that theory it makes sense to to get rid you know, you have to get the money in the bank off of Austin theory in good times. Yeah,
1: I agree. I think as WrestleMania does miss it. We've saw that with the um just about every WrestleMania has had a ladder match since they did away with it. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had the the two IC title matches, we had the ladder match with the Hardy's return. so there is always that multi-man yeah. ladder match aspect. It would be nice to go back to the original format. But um, just quickly before we move on, your thoughts on, obviously you said it misses it, who would you like to see if WrestleMania, Money in the Bank returns? Who would you like to see win it? And on the thoughts of King of the Ring possibly returning, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, good
2: question. I can't say it's a question I've asked myself, though. Um, I think um, your King of the Ring I'll start there. That's and I'll, I'd love to see King of the Ring have a, a title opportunity attached to it rather than just the, the crown and scepter. 'Cause I think when that happened that helped to elevate Brock and put him naturally into the feud all those years ago with the rock <coughs> for SummerSlam that year. So yep. I'd love them to 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 do that to increase the, the stakes to it and make, make something make something of it. I really don't know. I mean it's a long time away. I'm a big fan of Johnny Gargano, so I, I would you know love to see um, see him maybe come out on top of one of those two. What about you? What, since you asked the question, if you had the chance to think about
1: it yourself, who would you be? Oh, I'm just one of it? the mercenaries that throws it out to the guests and goes, I make, make the show, make the show." <laughs> no, I agree. Johnny Gargano could be a show. It's. I'd like to see Finn Balor. Yeah. If he's still with the Judgment Day, possibly, or even Damien Priest. I think he's more than. Capable of breaking out on his own, and it'd be interesting to see. Although they say there's no leader in the judgment day, I think it's pretty clear Finn Balor is the leader. Yeah, yeah, it would be nice to see the dissension, and then you know, uh, with Priest's eventual cash in, Balor going up against him for the title. I think that could have some good implications. It also means that WrestleMania, more often than not, um. And i remember chris jericho talking about this in his podcast a few years ago matches like randy orton and aj styles it's on paper it's good but it's usually just the guys that didn't have anything to do that year at wrestlemania mm-hmm. throw them in the money in the bank ladder match and make it memorable make it a spot fest yeah absolutely and there are some good good people starting to come
2: through and get a bit more time like uh, gunter walter um Has been fabulous, hasn't he? And SmackDown. We've got la 8s being repackaged now as well. So some folk like that. Maybe you know, even somebody like Logan Paul coming out (laughs) and winning something like that, that would really um you know elevate him, give him another chance to go. You've got Matt Riddle, who's had a really good year as well. So things that would help. I think putting them on somebody that would move them because move them up in our estimations make them realistic uh, championship contenders um, somebody that needs it like we mentioned earlier on that Brock doesn't really didn't need to win Money in the Bank when he did
1: I um, although I just said I don't I'm sick of people losing their cash in could you imagine the if Randy Orton's not fit for Wrestlemania if Randy Orton returns to cost Riddle the Money in the Bank mm. Like, could you imagine the absolute nuclear heat Randy Orton develops on the inevitable RKO uh, split up we're going to get? But yeah, I also agree with your uh, thing about King of the Ring. The title shot needs to be included. Uh, was uh, put Kurt Angle naturally into the into the title picture all those years ago. Put. The likes of Brock Lesnar, as you mentioned, poor Edge got stuck in the invasion storyline and never got his title shot. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> obviously, elevated the greatest wrestler of all time, King Mabel, uh, to, to heights that we could only dream of. Gary, when when we first started watching wrestling, but yeah, there's uh, a man that does
2: not get the credit he deserves in the history oh, of wrestling.
1: The greatest, the greatest big man there ever was. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but we'll move on from the failed cash in to a successful title defence and a record breaking one at that. Uh, Jimmy and Jey Uso defeated the New Day this past Friday on SmackDown to retain their undisputed WWE tag team titles and are now officially the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE history now. I know people will be saying oh but it's the Smackdown tag titles and technically the Raw tag titles are shut up okay if the New Day got their honour the Usos get the honour too <laughs> um, love the bloodline love that it's not just your stereotypical stable it's mm-hmm. not just the the guy at the top is strong and the other guys always take the pin the Usos win their fair share of matches yeah Um. Conspicuous by his absence recently has been Mr. Sami Zayn. Now I'm sure you've heard a lot of talk about Sami Zayn possibly being the one to end Roman Roman Reign. Uh, I would prefer it if Sami and Solo defeated the Usos. I think that's a good good story. Sami Zayn being undervalued a younger brother wanting to break out on his own and I just reckon the match
2: would be sensational. I think it's clear this is the best run of the Usos career. What a what a moment they're having and the performances, particularly when they go up against the Usos, but they've had so many, so many good matches this past year. It's a great one. And Jay Usos just predating that, the run he went on with Roman and the matches they had and the Thunderdome era. Just just sensational. The all, and I love the layers that are in this story as well. So, you see uh, Jay and uh, Sami Zayn, that little wrinkle, and amongst here, I, somebody in our group chat threw out an idea a while ago, Ross, which I think would be a brilliant one, which would be the, the Usos starting to defend the title using the three-bird rule and involving Sami Zayn in that. And Sami's the one that takes the pin to cost them the title. Oh. Could also be a nice little turn of
1: events. I can't remember who it was. I want to give them credit, but I, I can't remember for the life of me who. Both, but I do remember that scenario. I think it might be the handsome, that handsome man,
2: Chris Murray. But I might have just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> just just mention his
1: um, mention him. <laughs> You're just uh, excited to see Chris this Sunday, at ICW. I think that's all it is.
2: Well, I'm trying to. Re- I've got to replace the goat now
1: that he's betrayed me. So. <laughs> well, I've told David you're on this show he's very very excited about it <laughs> I hope but he doesn't that bit then <laughs> <laughs> that would be a hell of a story Sammy being the one to cost him um, I've seen another theory out there um, to obviously break the titles up someone mentioned about Roman defending one title and Sammy tries to help and accidentally cost them. Roman says it's okay, and then just brutally beats the shit out of them. Because then it's not a. It, it's pretty hard to root for Sami Zayn, like naturally. If you if you knew him in real life, you'd be like, "No, you're just a dick." You like, why should I cheer you now? But if someone is trying so hard to gain acceptance for a group, and then is shunned for a mistake, it becomes all the more easier to to root for them, as opposed to just. Ah well, I'm good again. Cheer me. Yeah,
2: exactly. I mean, I want to see the title split again. I I don't like the, the combined title. I think the the shows need it, and um uh, it's I, th- I, th- I mean, as great Roman has this run has been for Roman, I'm starting to feel like I need something a wee bit different. Yeah, I get. You. So, yeah, I get you. What, what more's he got? is there for him to do? Who else is there for him really to beat?
1: There's obviously, he's never pinned Seth Rollins, but we've seen that feud before, obviously. Yeah. And I think the obvious ones are Cody Rhodes and The Rock. They're mm-hmm. the two that stick out. There might be a third option, and we'll talk about a certain uh, Rattlesnake that might be returning later on, but... um. Let's talk war games, uh, obviously, because this takes it actually into yes. Yes. love it. War games. Uh, let's talk about that now, because uh, the men's side is not yet filled up. Uh, we've passed the second last roll before Survivor Series, and it looks like it's going to come from the SmackDown side, based on the ending of this past week's SmackDown. We saw the Brutes mm-hmm. uh, along with returning Sheamus get into it with the Bloodline, and when it looked like there was too many for them, who appears, but the returning big sexy Scotsman himself, Drew McIntyre, and it looked, obviously it's five on five, it looks like Sammy will be back and be the fifth member of the Bloodline team. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to get your takes on this being the chosen men's war games, and who do you think the fifth man will be? Because rumours are that it was going to be Kevin Owens up until a recent uh, ACL tear, which has rolled them out for the next two months.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this. I think War Games and Survivor Series add something, you know, the Survivor Series Raw versus SmackDown concept, I think it ran its course, particularly. With the with the superstar shakeup or whatever they call it now, <laughs> we're going to call it this year, happening just before it, where you essentially had people that were in Raw the week before now defending SmackDown's honor against Raw. So I think that's uh, giving it some uh, something different, which is a really good thing. Um, I do hope we still get some traditional Survivor Series matches on the show because I do like them an awful lot. But I suspect that's not going to happen this year because we're starting to see some singles matches being announced. So I suspect we'll get you know three singles matches uh, and then the two the two War Games matches. Um, I think you're right about the men's. It makes total sense to be the Bloodline versus Drew, uh, the Brutes, and another. Now, the and the other person ideally would maybe be somebody that's going to go on to have a program, maybe with Roman, or to set plant the seeds for something that comes up. So that could be one who Roman might go on to face at WrestleMania. Maybe, you know, if you know, if for fantasy booking, it be how amazing would it be if it was The Rock that participated? But I doubt that would happen. That would be a big build on its own. Don't
1: tease me, Gary. Don't tease me.
2: Don't give me hope. Yeah. So it'd be amazing that I suspect it might be somebody that's had a bit of beef with the bloodline up until now that's had some matches. Um so Kevin Owens would naturally fall into that category, but if he's ruled out I could see it being Matt Riddle or somebody like that that steps in to to
1: fill that breach. Riddle Riddle would be a, a natural fit, I, I agree. Um Hey, we don't know how how fit Cody Rhodes is. He's not giving anything away. We've not heard anything about him, but Cody Rhodes... I think Cody him. saves for the rumble. That would be a shout, yeah. I think that'd be a shout. Mm-hmm. Um, Randy Orton, we've recently seen photos of him in a hospital bed. I don't know if it's another operation or something, but I, I, think, he's, I think he's out long-term. Yeah. Um, I think that's why Riddle is sort of aimlessly wandering, playing the bongos on Raw at the moment. Yeah, Riddle's got nothing to do. I, I can't see the, another person that's got
2: issues with the, the bloodline, but I can't see them wanting to put him back together with the bloodline and Roman just yet would be Brock Lesnar. But it looks like he's got unfinished business with Lashley, so we might get Brock and Lashley. Uh, Survivor Series
1: again. I'd be well game for that, I think. Could you imagine Brock Lesnar and more games? Oh, I'd be sensational, wouldn't <laughs> it? That would be sensational. Uh, also, a quick note on that. Uh, I saw a thing a few weeks ago. It said, uh, I believe it was WrestleVotes that posted it. It said, be ready for a spot fest and a award games that like you've never seen before. Because a lot of the footage they have, recent footage, WWE footage, is from NXT, obviously, the Undisputed Era. Three of them are now, two of them are in AEW. One is in TNA or Impact Wrestling, sorry. AOP are no longer there. Big Demo's no longer there. Eric Young, etc. Yep. So I think they are trying to get as much footage for this year as possible. So I am expecting two wild War Games matches. And you know what? I'll put Cody Rhodes out there. I think it's been nice to see Cody back. I I never thought I'd say that on these centrals because I used to hate him in AEW. But... Yeah. <laughs> It's a great show, Ross. Because if Cody returns and say he pins Roman
2: in War Games, and then goes on to win the Rumble, you've got a fabulous story taking you through to Mania. If Cody's going to be the man to challenge Roman at Mania, that is, and there could be, there's all sorts of speculation about who might do that. Right,
1: I know we we look forward to months and months of speculation on Central before we get it dead wrong. True, <laughs> like WrestleMania, may I enter? <laughs> Um, we'll go from the rumours of the men's side to the confirmations of the women's side Uh, the trio of damage control, Rhea Ripley and uh, Nikki Cross no longer a superhero uh, going up against Mia Yim, Asuka Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss they still have one spot to fill Can can I go on a wee bit of a rant here Gary? I suspect you're going to go in one regardless of what I say, Ross. Yeah, exactly. So thanks for thanks for being understanding. Um, listen, the nine women in this War games match are all more capable of putting on a great show. Um, Eosky has been in every women's War games match and we, we know what the rest of them are capable of. Mm-hmm. However... There has been some 24-title shenanigans. The 24-title has been officially retired. For those of you who are upset by that, just let me remind you, it was the USA Network that wanted that title, not WWE, and it certainly fucking showed. Mm-hmm. Now, Dana Brooke. I get that she's in sensational shape. I get that she's improved slightly since her time in NXT, and I use that word, slightly. <laughs> She is not a main eventer under any circumstances, okay? She is not a good wrestler, okay? Mm -hmm. There comes a time where you have to say, and you know what, Tamina was on Raw this past week, so I'm using her as well because she's been in WWE Mm -hmm. since 2010. There comes a time where you say, I'm sorry, I don't care how hard you're trying You're not good enough, and you have to leave. Right? Okay. We suffered this at Rangers. Okay. I don't care how hard Brandon Barker tried in training. Okay. I didn't want to see him in the starting eleven on an old firm Sunday. Okay, getting the away from my team. And you know, issue that uh, the issue that she's got is that nobody gives a shit about her. Exactly. It was the the post she put on social media. All my hard work for nothing, and the comments—you you, know—the internet can be brutal, but it can also be hilarious at the time. when people were like, "Hard work, like no one remembers a twenty-four-seven title match you've had." Yes, you know, you know, Nikki Cross cared about it that little that she didn't even put it in the bin; she put it next to the bin. <laughs> I can even do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sorry, I don't want her as the fifth woman in War Games. I, I've seen. And I mean a small, small minority on Twitter going, yeah, Dana Brooke, it'd be nice of Dana to get a chance. Sooner or later, you have to accept there's a reason someone isn't getting a chance, and it's they're just not good enough.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think if you're going to keep it again, like we were saying earlier on, if if you're going to keep it a surprise, you keep it. Yeah, it's got to be somebody of note, or you use it. To give somebody an elevation, so it's either going to be for a returning character. Um, I don't know what the status of Becky Lynch is, for example. Uh, you know, Bea Ripley's in this. Could it be used for uh, Beth Phoenix to to step into it? Oh, you've I got didn't think about that. That's a shout and a half. Uh, oh, but she does have an angle set up as soon as Edge is ready to come back to do the. The match there, but that could be that could be really good. You've got Candice LeRae on Raw now. I wouldn't object to seeing Candice in, in the match, and then just looking through the rosters as we said earlier on, it's a bit thin when you start to score people out. Um, there you've got Emma who's returned on
1: SmackDown though. Emma, can, probably Emma, can, out. Uh, one I liked a. Uh, um, in Impact Wrestling, Emma the past two years or so uh, so so has had a decent run. She's had the tag team with Madison Rain. She had some good matches with the former Iconics. Mm-hmm. She had some good match with the Death Dolls and Vexed, and uh, she had some. Our back and forth with Madison Rain is like two There st- Like they were materialistic girls who hated everyone, including their partner. But they had like such this fake veneer on, like, "Oh, you're great! No, you're great!" Mm-hmm. And it, it was good TV. It was. I, I really enjoyed it. And she, watched, she's a former Impact's Knockout Tag Champion. She's she's had some great matches. It'd be good to elevate her. Mm-hmm. But now that you've mentioned Beth Phoenix, I can't get that out of my head. I I imagine the place would go nuts. And I think, thinking now, I think we might actually see two surprises and I think we might leave the fifth member of each team uh, for, for uh, Survivor Series itself I think much like Kevin Owens a few years ago I think that's the road they're going to go down mm-hmm. it's yeah. definitely not to be good I'm sorry if I dampened the mood with my Dana Brook rant but oh, there's only so many times you can go you're, you're doing good you doing good <laughs> Yeah, it's unfortunate, but you know,
2: but it comes down to it, nobody cares, and if you've not got that connection with the audience, then it just doesn't work for you.
1: Exactly, it's, um... yeah, but no one gave a shit about the 24th title, so move on. So, NXT TakeOver Deadline is... Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. I'm excited about this, Ross. (laughs) live Saturday, December 10th, and they've introduced a new match concept called the Iron Survivor. So I'm going to, there's a men's and a women's match. I'm going to break down the rules for you here. Two challengers start the match. Two superstars, sorry, there's two challenges, a man's and a woman. Two superstars start the match. Every five minutes, another enters until all five are in. The goal is to have the most falls at the end of a 25-minute match. You get one point if you win a fall. If you lose, you go into a penalty box for ninety seconds. The person who gets the most falls when the clock hits twenty-five minutes wins and becomes the number one contender to an NXT championship. So it looks like it's it's their version of Money in the Bank sort of thing. It's a championship scramble mixed with a Impact Wrestling's King of the Mountain concept, and mm-hmm. it. it it's always nice to see something new and fresh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I have a couple of things about
2: this that I like. Um, I like sa- another Saturday night show. Can we just get Sunday night Aye. shows in the bin and forget about them now? So excited about that. Love they're doing something different uh, in it as well. Because the minute I seen it, I did think, oh, oh yes. <laughs> you know, um, now how it's going to work, it might, might not be the greatest Um thing that you know when you have these matches that go you know I find Ironman matches for example difficult to get into. I agree, I agree. because like you're I'll tune in, you know, when it's forty-five minutes gone type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um but um if the right you know it's different and the right mix of talent could make this really, really exciting. Now the fact there's two of them on the same nights a wee bit, un- I think it's a bit unfortunate because I expect I mean one's going to probably have loads of pinfalls sorry, loads of falls in it, and the other one's probably going to have very few falls in it to make them uh, make them a wee bit different. But there's tons of uh, tons of talent in NXT, and uh, it give, will give us naturally two number one contenders. One of the thing's I wasn't too sure about the rules, Ross. Like um, the pinfalls, so competitor one and to start the match and then after five minutes, three comes in and so on and so forth, Do we get all five and then they've got 25 minutes to go at it from that point, is that right? Or is it 25 minutes from the minute that one and twos
1: the bell rings for right. one and two? It's, it's 25 minutes, I believe, from one and two if we're using the championship scramble concept because you were able to mm-hmm. uh, pin in the first five minutes and it's not like war games where the match doesn't begin until yeah. everyone's out there um, so, so it does game... of... Sorry, you go?
2: I was going to say so it's kind of reverse Royal Rumble where you want to be later in the thing and this one you want to be number one because you've then got more time to score
1: pinfalls yeah it's the luck of the draw Like you either want to be the first two in there and hopefully get an early fall or you want to be number five and come in fresh and just pick the balloons and get a few pinfalls. Yeah, but yeah, it it does seem like a good concept. And we um, we saw last night on NXT, um, Mandy Rose and Braun Breaker both retained their titles. Mm-hmm. So it looks like this is the t- to determine new challengers for them. Um, deadline will be WWE's last show of 2022, and I don't think there'll be another major takeover until. WrestleMania time So this could determine Our feud throughout the winter And leading into WrestleMania season For um, For stand and deliver For standard deliver, yeah Come Which on. I'm going to, Ross Yes, you lucky bastard Go on go, go. Have, a, have a wee brag on air Yes I had to put that in I've not got any uh, Flags from any shows Yet
2: to brag about Though
1: <laughs> Oh, moving on <laughs> but um, is there obviously I've put you on the spot a few times and that's going to continue because I'm a dick um, <laughs> is there any is there anyone uh, that you'd like to see win this and get that get uh, that title shot because I'm saying that it might be for Braun Breaker and Mandy Rose's title Mm-hmm. The promo package did show Wesley's North American title.
2: Yeah, so surely you not if you get, we're not going to do that again, are we? You win a title <laughs> shot, and you choose to cash in on on something else. I mean, I would love to see. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Tyler Bate, I'd love to see Tyler Bay uh, come out on top. How he, after all this time, is not. Uh, on one of the main rosters is a wee bit beyond me but I am biased
1: <laughs> It's those big sexy legs isn't it? Yes um, Isla Don, a Scottish wrestler did debut on NXT last night um, I imagine she'll be in the mix there um, Is there anyone from the women's division you'd like to see, uh, see win that match or are you Sort of just happy to you know happy to see how that plays out. I think probably the latter. I mean,
2: just on of Dawn, what a, you know, a vote of confidence? But all the people that were in NXT UK and she didn't have. I mean, she was there for a long time. She was pretty much there from the launch, wasn't she? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but never really in a feature slot or spot. But what vote of confidence of all the people that have been let go? That she's one of the ones that they've uh, retained and and brought on to NXT. Um, so what a, what vote of confidence there? Mandy Rose is like, like we we're saying to an extent with Roman Eller, She's been such a dominant champion in this that it's actually there's very few credible challengers for her left. And the people that um, you know, that you might think of this match, she's already beaten. So. Uh, Alba Fire Kaylee Ray, she's beaten Nico Satamora, came up short in the triple threat, didn't she? Mm. There. So I suspect they might use it as an opportunity to elevate somebody somebody new,
1: but who that is, I I don't know. I'll go I think for the women's, I'll go Roxanne Perez because she had a featured um a featured pay per view match at the last takeover. Yeah. Uh, and then to two winning two women's non-title matches on a row on two different NXT takeovers, they don't do a lot of the men uh, the main and NXT. They don't do a lot of women's matches that aren't title matches. Mm-hmm. So to be in that spotlight twice, it certainly would show a sign of intent. She is a former tag team champion. Didn't lose the title. It was mm-hmm. forcibly vacated when her partner uh, turned on her yeah. and she did have Mandy Rose beat until Cora Jade defeated her, yeah. so she does have that I've got your number sort of thing so I'd like her to win it and I think Braun Breaker has gone as far as he can go with the NXT roster I think it's time to move him up he's had that extra year, I, I, I think this is as good as he's going to get, that's not a knock on him I just think he, he is good and that's as good as he's going to get in NXT and I think the time was right for Carmelo Hayes he was the undercard champion for so long, he was the second in this like 2.0 revolution behind Bron Breaker, mm-hmm. I think it's time for him to move up take the title and allows Bron Breaker to bow out and move on to Monday Night Raw mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, that's my that's my picks, but you know, <laughs> who am I? Um, let's move on to, and I'm, I'm glad you're on here with me, Gary, because the last two times I've spoke about Stone Cold Steve Austin, David has been a bit negative about it. He was a bit hesitant about Stone Cold possibly returning to the ring. And I think he thought it was a one-and-done and and he's fine with that and that's his opinion. Banning someone who's going to jump on the nostalgia train with me and be full steam ahead behind this idea. Uh, Rumours have it that Stone Cold Steve Austin was so pleased with his WrestleMania match against Kevin Owens and has recently got into some of the best shape of his life Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it's rumoured that he could be offered more WWE matches, potentially starting with a WrestleMania match at WrestleMania Thirty Nine. Gary goes Hollywood. So I'm torn in this because part of me
2: thinks he got a f- the match of Ken's Owens was 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 great, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. it is perfect. You know, we talked we've talked in these shows about the Undertaker's. Seeking out that perfect ending, and then you know when he got the good match, he thought, "Oh, I keep going," and not knowing when to call quits. So Austin, after all this time, got back in the ring, had a great match, gets to finish on a really positive note, and finish on his terms. But now he's got the bug. Potentially, wants to come back. So part of me thinks, just just leave it at that. But I'm going to WrestleMania 39. I'd love. To- <laughs> to be in the arena when the glass shatters and he comes out so I'm all aboard fucking go for it Steve
1: (laughs) (laughs) so according to Fightful Select the report under the new regime that market leading promotion has offered Austin the chance to come back and wrestle another match Uh, Vince McMahon wanted to make this a reality but the new team has gone gone as far as to putting together an offer. There was no word on who it might be or if it would actually happen. Mm -hmm. Sources presumed that the offer would be for Stone Cold to compete at WrestleMania 39 or perhaps a Saudi Arabian event. Obviously, they do get the the big money there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another source, however, has said that Austin and WWE are far apart on terms. Um, he is working out. He is in great shape. My, my thing with the the Undertaker comparison there, the difference with Austin and the Undertaker was Undertaker had had thirty consecutive years taking bumps and taking damage and taking taking all those you know those injuries that accumulated. Mm-hmm. Austin. Retired in two thousand and three, he didn't, you know, take many bumps. He took a, a spear and an F five in the lead up to WrestleMania twenty, and a choke slam in summer of two thousand three off Kane. Yeah. But that was about the the extent of his damage, and he's never he never got back in the ring except with Kevin Owens. So for nineteen years, he stayed away. He healed up. We've seen what happened to Edge when he took nine years away. Yeah, what happened to Daniel Bryan when he took two years away? Me and Scott will talk about on the AEW preview what's happened to the former Paige when she's taken a few years away. He's given himself time to heal. He's got the bug. I'm all for it. Like, see if WWE went. Look, here's a two-year deal, a six-match package. Let's have you in another Rumble. Let's have a tag match so that, you know, a couple of those matches you're protected. But let's have two more big WrestleMania matches. Let's do some dream matches. Let's do Austin v. Roman. Let's do Austin v. Cena. Let's get Austin v. Rock 4 in there for the Saudi blood money. I'm all behind it. I am absolutely behind it. Yeah, if he's doing it, I want it to be
2: a WrestleMania. I don't want it to be a Saudi exhibition match. Yeah. I wanted to be, you know, because Stone Cold Steve Austin was the biggest star of the modern era um in WWE. So he, um in my view, so he should be treated special. I don't think he should, you know, it's not it's not Goldberg gimmick match type of thing. Um, I want, if he's going to do this, if he's able to do it, it should be big money matches at WrestleMania,
1: at SummerSlam. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I would I would love them to be, you know, let's have Austin in one more Survivor Series match. Let's have Austin in a Royal Rumble. Let's have Austin teaming with Cena and then going up against Cena. You know, th- those matches would be great. I I agree. Saudi, it, it doesn't seem... And maybe it's just another culture thing. The Japanese fans are the same. Japanese fans are very silent and respectful and they'll occasionally clap. Whereas the Saudis, you see them moving about and just walking about aimlessly during the show. There's not the atmosphere there. If Steve Austin's got a set amount of matches left, I don't want to see them wasted. Yeah, I'm not sure
2: that he's even up for it because it's not like... He's come out to do just like an appearance, like we've had Hulk Hogan as a guest host of these show, you've had Hogan and Flair. I rem- might maybe misremembering, Ross, but I don't think we've had a, a, a Stone Cold appearance at a Saudi show at all.
1: Uh, no, we have not, no. Um, there was the rumours that The Rock was going to do a Saudi show then obviously with the controversy around the second Saudi Arabian show and the kidnapping of the journalist, I I think his team told him stay away. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But
2: I'm all aboard it and I'm
1: really hoping
2: because actually if WWE have announced they sold a hundred thousand tickets for WrestleMania. Sophie Stadium holds about 70,000 normally, so maybe with the WrestleMania set up, you've got a few extra thousand seats maybe on the floor, but then again, you will lose some for the sets. But maybe they've got another between forty and 60,000 tickets to sell. Now, to a 100,000 tickets at this stage is quite phenomenal with a single mm-hmm. match announced. But to get these extra 40,000, 50,000 tickets... You know the people that are coming have bought their tickets now, so you need to do something to get the people that have decided not to buy yet to want to come to this. And an Austin appearance, a Rock Roman match. There's rumours of John Cena coming. These are big names that will be big attractions, and we'll get and you'll get thousands of tens of thousands of people buying these extra tickets on the back of it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um... Yeah, you're going to have to do something special. The, there's always the diehards and the people that want to go to a WrestleMania or pick maybe their second WrestleMania, like some lucky get I'm talking to. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you're going to have to do something special to convince those that haven't parted with the cash. Because obviously, you know yourself, it's not a it's not an expense that is taken lightly. Yeah, it's not a cheap it's not a cheap gig,
2: um, and um... For the international fans, especially, you know, LA is not the cheapest city in the world to visit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> especially now with the dollar so weak, uh, the pound so weak against the dollar. Thanks are our mini bloody budget over here.
1: <laughs> um, but we'll move on from uh, WrestleMania to the National Wrestling Alliance. Uh, NWA recently had, uh, there's a lot of news here, so. <laughs> Oh, no, sorry, before we get into that, sorry, one last WWE uh, story. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Wrestling Boats put up a tweet saying, at this past Monday's Raw, there was a lot of talk around a WWE International live event rumoured to be either on the 18th or 19th of January. No location's been revealed yet, but it looks like that'll be the first show of uh, of 2022 for WWE. Now I will note that WWE is still advertising Day One despite rumours of cancellation. They've never confirmed the cancellation, and the Wikipedia page is still very much open for that. Um, the 18th and the 19th—that's a Wednesday or a Thursday, mm-hmm. so a midweek event, maybe a few days before the Rumble. Yeah. I, I don't see the. I, I I don't see the thinking there.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one
1: because you you would have raw
2: on Monday, and SmackDown mm-hmm. on the Friday. Now, yes, they've pre-taped some of these these things before, but you you got that to to factor factor into things there. What's interesting, I was looking uh, as we were getting ready for the show tonight, Ross, at the WWE schedule. So on the thirtieth of December, SmackDown is you get buy your tickets for SmackDown in Tampa, Florida or there's a Raw house show in Toronto the same day. And then on the 2nd of January, Raw is in Nashville, Tennessee. (laughs) So uh, if you're not doing uh, day one, if day one doesn't happen on on New Year's Day now, then they've got the 31st and the 1st off. But they're in pretty random places. (laughs) Toronto, Tampa, Nashville. So to have the, you know, the day one show right in amongst that would make would make sense. And then when you look to the dates we were just talking about, uh, there's a s- Saturday night main event in Virginia. There's a Sunday house show called Sunday Stunner in Kentucky, Raw's in Cincinnati, Ohio. And then f- you've got Smackdown on the, um, the Friday night in Michigan, as well. So they've got a pretty ram schedule there in Raw. The thirtieth anniversary of Raw comes up on the twenty-third of January there. Um, just before we get to the rumble the later that week. So that's a really packed packed schedule they've got here. Now I can mm-hmm. see why, you know, if it was my business and I just done an international show in Cardiff and had an eight million dollar gate, I'd be tempted to do more. International shows, but if you're going to do a Wednesday night in January, you're not. I think you're going to struggle to get 70,000 people uh, in the, the UK out to deliver to the same extent. Because cash, what one things for me that was special about Clash at the Castle was that it was a weekend festival that built mm. round about it. So unless this January one's going to be a Saudi show because um, obviously Saudi got the, the Elimination Chamber last year, which is now going to um, the Canada... Ed, is it Edmonton in Canada it's going to in February?
1: I know what it is in Canada. Uh, I can't remember the exact city, though. Mm-hmm. So um, it would make maybe
2: maybe another Saudi show, but if I was WWE, I would certainly be exploring to see could I do more big international hits... In that way, and because of the networking, it's not really built on pay-per-view buys as much now. So you could do the live show, uh, get a really nice house for it, um,
1: still, and make make some big money. I don't think it's it. I don't think it would be a good idea personally because you're asking fans to buy tickets for a pay-per-view that is a week in, uh, so it's half a week away from your 30th anniversary on raw where you know stuff is going to big stuff's going to happen it's a week away from your second biggest show of the year the Royal Rumble which books towards your biggest show of the year and on that it's 3 months away from WrestleMania where if you're doing it in the UK at least 20,000 people going to that show are going to be from the UK like at WrestleMania this year yeah. so you're asking them to pay pay per view prices for a ticket and pardon me obviously because we're in Glasgow and when you went to Cardiff you had to pay for accommodation and travel etc you're, you're asking fans to pay a big expense before um, before the biggest show of the year so yeah. I, think, I think it might be a Saudi show And, you know, God knows, it's probably going to be, Roman won't be, pardon me, at the Rumble. We've saw Roman's sort of part-time schedule. I think this will be like Roman's title defence before WrestleMania sort of thing. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, you're quite right. It's a busy period. It's, and to add to that, it is only a month, if this was to happen on the 18th, it's only a month away till uh, the Elimination Chamber as well. So it's a big, big schedule. And really, is anything of significance going to happen on that show? I don't think so. You would save your big moments for for the for Raw 30 or for the Rumble. So that might put yeah. people off. But I can see why they'd want to test it. And WWE have tested some midweek pay-per-views before. Do you remember Taboo Tuesday? This Tuesday? Yeah. Texas, many many years ago, before your
1: time, you're far too young for that. <laughs> I, I was two years too late for that, but Taboo Tuesday, I was about four. I really enjoyed. It, it was weird because I used to, um, I used to get raw on a Saturday because I watched SmackDown in the mornings and Bottom Line right after it, and that was my that was my raw coverage. So on the Saturday, I was watching previews for a pay per view that I had already watched on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. it was a bit uh, ass backwards <laughs> but um, we'll move on from uh, WWE to NWA so NWA recently had their Hard Times 3 pay-per-view recently um, and in the main event um, Tyrus vacated his uh, NWA World Television title uh, using the Lucky 7 rule, which I think is like option C and Impact or WWE's Money in the Bank, basically vacating one title so he could go for the uh, the world title. Tyrus, the former Brotus Clay, was then added to a match with Trevor Murdoch and Matt Cardona for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Tyrus won the match, making it his first world championship win, so congratulations to him. He is the only the second ever recognised black a NWA world champion so again representation is important and it's great to see the only issue here is it's not that not that the NWA title isn't relevant, it's not that it shouldn't be a big thing that we are now have only the second black champion of that title's history, it's the fact that the man himself who won it is a 49 year old out of shape I'd, I'd struggle to say has been. It was a never was. Brought clay the Funkadaco- Funkadactals. Sorry, brought his clay and the Funkodactyls had a very short shelf life. And brought his clay without the Funkasaurus gimmick didn't exactly scream main event player, did he? He's no. he's been a heavy for Alberto Del Rio. He was a heavy for EC3 and Impact Wrestling. He's never been the guy, and I think it's pretty obvious to see why.
2: Yeah, I don't watch a great deal of NWA, as you know, Ross, uh, but the picture that's going that go around looks like, um, you know, of them in the ring celebrating. It looks like a bunch, you know, it looks like um, some of the, the older stars from the 80s have, got, have been at the fan convention. <laughs> Got a, had a few drinks and then wrapped up in the ring. They did not look to be in uh, the most pristine of if shape and condition. Oh, or presentable. Certainly. I'm trying to think of the right words there. And when you think of the man that's just surrendered the title or had the title stripped from him, Nick Aldis, who who um, was a tremendous, you know, tremendous shape. <laughs> it just was like like we're going from this to that. Is, yeah. you know, the worst how it started, how it's going uh, I think I've seen and from what I understand and what I've read and seen, and uh, don't know the true story obviously the, them all, but it sounded like Aldous had given notice and was prepared to do business so they could have worked uh, some sort of angle and prepared for it rather than the, the hot shot to it but yeah it does cool. all look great for the NWA is probably the best summary I could offer
1: <laughs> So we'll talk about all this in a few minute because he, he had lost the title to Murdoch a few a few months ago. Um, now, it's not that he's a former WWE guy and he never made it in WWE. You know, there's no shame in not making it in the biggest wrestling promotion in the world. Mm-hmm. And in that triple threat match, he was taking on Trevor Murdoch now um, last year when... Uh, sorry, the end of 2020... When Trevor Murdoch was starting to do a lot of stuff with NWA, I thought, oh, come on, this is a guy. A couple of WWE tag title runs when the titles mm-hmm. didn't really mean much. And, you know, it was a Sunday night heat. And I was I was proved wrong there. He's had some great matches. And he, the the feud he had with Aldous, uh, title versus career, was great. He's, he's proved himself to be a worthy champion. And he's had some good matches. Matt Cardona has reinvented himself amazingly since uh, yeah. leaving WWE. A uh, short stint with uh, AEW. Uh, he's been with Impact Wrestling. He's actually going to be at the Impact Wrestling pay-per-view Overdrive this weekend. Him and Brian Myers taking on Heath and Rhino for the tag titles. And I look forward to that. Former MWA champion in his own right. But but here's the thing. It's, it's not... That it's an WWE guy because the two guys I just mentioned, WWE guys, didn't exactly hit the heights in WWE, have proved me wrong. So the fact that Tyrus is just horrendous in the ring, he's just your typical lumbering big guy, he's 49 years old, he's blown up, you can see he looks absolutely gubbed in the, the photos, and yeah. that probably explains why... Uh, Nick Aldous has chosen to give notice. So Nick Aldis did give his notice for Impact Wrestling. This is what he said before the show itself, because he's had he doubled down on the criticism after the show. Um. So Aldis said he originally went to NWA and not AEW because he wanted to wash the stink of his TNA run off him and you know prove his prove his worth. So a Corgan booked NWA is not something he wants to be a part of. He's said in his interview with Sam Roberts, uh, talking about uh, talking about the state of NWA, he actually called it embarrassing. He said, I can't get my head around it. I'm not saying all of it, but there's enough of that for me that didn't pass the Harley race test. Mm-hmm. I started looking at stuff like uh, gangs, the gimp, uh, a social distancing match, comedy matches. And you know, On and on it went with different wacky, silly comedy, you know, nonsensical stuff. And I said, how would I have justified this to Harley Race? Like, if Harley Race had been here today, imagine if I'd stood there with Harley Race or Dory Funk or Ric Flair. What would they say watching this? I thought if I stood here with those guys right now, I'd I'd be embarrassed. Do you know what I mean? Because they would look at me and go, this is your thing. And I'd have to go, no. And I didn't want to be in a position where I'm like, oh, that's not me. Yeah. So then Aldis has doubled down with his criticism and said, he, because he was removed from the pay-per-view after, after arguments with Billy Corgan where he's trying to play it off as an okay. Angle. Mm-hmm. He said, I hope now you see why it was important to me to let you know that I had given my notice to NWA before this pay-per-view aired what was once a promising endeavour that I turned down bigger opportunities to take the lead on has become the most toxic brand in pro wrestling thank you all for your support now obviously start the rumour mill he's a free agent in January the Royal Rumble's in January Uh, Impact Wrestling only they do uh, monthly pay-per-views on the uh, YouTube channel and on their Ultimate Insider Package but there's only four pay-per-views where they go all out every year. They have their big four. Hard to Kill is one of them. It's in January as well. Could we see Aldous pop back up in, in uh, TNA, or do you think we might see Nick Aldous pop up in the Royal Rumble? I, I don't know. Um, would I can imagine
2: people in WWE asking if Aldous would have the, the recognition they're looking for but you've seen years ago the when AJ Styles came out in the Royal Rumble, the reaction around the wrestling world uh, to it so I'd love to see him in the Royal Rumble um, I think that would be
1: tremendous Yeah I think so too and it'd be nice to see him but he was recently <coughs> part of the Impact Originals along with uh, Frankie Kazarian a uh, to take on Honor No More at Bound for Glamour Glo- a few months ago, so it was good to see him back in in uh, the former TNA Impact Wrestling. It could go somewhere else though. Um Inside the Ropes were reporting that Mickey James and Nick Aldis had both been approached to be the face of a possible world of sport wrestling revival. What are your thoughts on that? Well
2: I uh, I watched all of World of Sport when it was when it was relaunched and um I'm not surprised in the slightest it didn't get a second season. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was poorly executed, wasn't it? They had some great talent in, in the show and obviously it forced the you know WWE been flirting with the UK for a long time, but that then forced their hand and they launched NXT UK Shortly afterwards, they signed Jim Ross back to stop on being the commentator on uh, World of Sport and did nothing with him, really. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be against the World of Sport keep coming back, but it's got to be taken seriously. It's got to be presented as a proper wrestling show, not as some hockey game show, Big Daddy tribute show where folk have a, a laugh and a joke at uh, at its expense, it's got to be taken seriously if we're going to do it. Um, but that worries me. Will they? Will they take it seriously? So I wouldn't be against it because, of course, it creates opportunity. It creates oh, yeah. For people, it creates interest in the product. We're all wrestling fans, and we you know, we want to see good wrestling shows. So I wouldn't be against it coming back. I just I would be firmly against it being coming back in the format we've seen it in a couple of years
1: ago. Yeah, they, so the reason i have reached out to all this uh, is apparently before, obviously, he started hating the promotion. <laughs> um, one of the models, uh, there's different uh, models and approaches on the table to relaunching the brand. One of these being an NWA-inspired broadcast model, which you see the promotion run, low-cost, free-to-air television set. So basically, your WCW Worldwide style set, where it's just the ring, a studio audience, and there's no big sets, there's just the music, the guys come out, they wrestle, I, I would like that, I think that, I think the old school feel, does have a, does have a place, I just think, I don't think anyone at ITV, when they relaunched World of Sport, had watched wrestling since it last aired on ITV, yes. because it was, you know, the, I get Grado, being you know the panel good guy, but, We don't want to see a live pantomime every week. You know, wrestling has evolved. And I know Aldous isn't a fan of comedy wrestling, but that stuff does have its place. But it has a very small place on the card. You've still got to build a wrestling show.
2: Yeah, totally, totally. And they had some of these bizarre matches. I'm going to struggle for examples now that they they put on. (laughs) And you see some people one week, but then they will see them for ages later. They gave a huge focus focus to Crater on, on the show. Who, yeah, who could they do a great deal? Rampage Brown was presented as a, 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 a strongly in it, but you had um, this rather odd entourage with them, didn't he? Um, well, uh, we've seen the British Bulldog come back. Um, it was, uh, sorry, British Bulldog Junior, as he was called in it. It was just a really poorly put together product. I'm
1: afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid. Yeah. I I absolutely agree. I think <laughs> it was it was a horrendous thing. I, I remember. It seems to be if you're a wrestling fan, everyone in your work knows you're a wrestling fan, and it's sort of oh, you know, the people that don't watch wrestling feel the need to tell you they've seen it on yeah. TV. And I, I went when I was watching Nastar Dobskit. Are you watching that new wrestling on... Like, no, because it's shit. It's like, it's just horrendous. Yeah. You watch this um, stuff? I, know, I don't I know. that crap. <laughs> I watch real stuff, like R-Truth and the 24-7 title, okay? <laughs> but, um, so the last story you're going to join us for, Gary, uh, Progress Wrestling uh, recently come under a bit of fire. Progress Wrestling are putting on a show... On the tenth of December, the same day as a deadline, mm-hmm. called Sons and Daughters of the Desert, taking place in Warehouse Four, Dubai. Uh, it's in partnership partnership with Wrestlefest DBX, recognised by the Dubai Sports Council. So Wrestlefest are taking the uh, are running a uh, festival over there, and it's allowing smaller promotions to go over. Obviously, much like WWE going to Saudi Arabia and the World Cup going to Qatar, not getting the best write-up.
2: Yes, indeed. Well, I hope it's not the WrestleFest that put on that that uh, <laughs> show, if I can call it that, that I went to in Cardiff. I'm sure it's a, it must be a different group of people involved with it. I mean... I can see why, I'm assuming that this is a sold show for progress and they're getting a fee for going. And they've no, not, not,
1: absolutely got a fee for going.
2: Yeah, and they're not going and making their money by selling tickets. I'm assuming it's a sold show for them. So commercially, I can see why they've decided to do it. And the the UK wrestling scene was clearly you know a couple of years ago and, uh, in, in the growth period. Or a boom period, we had the speaking out movement and COVID, and uh, it, it's not been quite. It's not been the same since, and we're seeing like ICW trying to rebuild themselves. So I can see why Progress are thinking this is a great opportunity to open themselves up to a new new territory. To get some new eyes, the product to generate some income from it, and also equally not surprised that they are getting new action that they are. React- they are getting. Yeah. And um it's clear to see, you know, when people look at how so some of these uh, countries are treating people, um that progress must have known that they would get this response. It's not as if they're the first people that have gone to put on a show in one of these uh one of these states. So they would have known that they've gotten and taken they've they weighed up the pros and the cons, they've decided They've decided that the the money's
1: too good, and the opportunity's too good for them. Yeah. Um, so one of, a part of their statement they put out um, it is a pretty boilerplate statement. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's a generally the statement WWE usually puts out, and it's about changing the world and going over there to 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 change views. And then obviously we we had all that with the World Cup, and then you get Hugo Lloris saying. I'll respect the cultures and the values over there when I get there, when asked about would they wear a rainbow captain's armband. Yeah. Um I mean, with, so, with the greatest respect to progress, I don't think they're changing any cultures. No, no, I, I don't think so. But part of their statement said, the opportunity arose for us to have a show in Dubai fully funded by ourselves, not by any government or council in which we showcase our women's division on a global stage not only that but we can build upon Mo, uh, most efforts by not only having the first of our women's world championship match in the area but having the show hosted by a woman our women's championship match as one of our two female matches on the card will only be finalized after our next show but we are confident whatever four women represent progress they will all help change perception in a tremendously positive fashion so looks like there's going to be a host a women's host and two women's matches on the card and hey look that's great but it ain't going to change much is it like you know we've, we've had a uh, women's tag titles and women's last man standings and women's singles matches in general in Saudi Arabia for WWE mm-hmm. not much has changed the needle ain't moved that much no, and when I look
2: at the the Twitter response to their statement, it doesn't seem to have convinced many people. I don't blame them. Uh,
1: in many ways. No, I, I don't blame them. Listen, it is a cash grab. That's not a bad thing. Like, they are a business. But I, I just get a bit tired of these it's the Gary Neville argument again, isn't it? The, you know, the, there's ways you can protest from home and without taking a million pounds. <laughs> no. Stephen Steven Gerrard's got a new job. He's a brand ambassador for the World Cup now. <laughs> I, I imagine, Is anybody becoming a brand ambassador for the World Cup? <laughs> I imagine... Um, those people won't be sleeping in the porter cabins we've saw at the uh, fan festivals but that's a different show, that's the the World Cup show <laughs> mm-hmm. Gary, before I let you go, obviously you and I are going to ICW this weekend um, back in the garage, uh, ICW feed and Loathing uh, it does feel like a very transitional time for ICW obviously you, you mentioned beforehand the factors that would cause progress to come down from its boom period I think have also affected ICW uh, you know, is there any matches you're looking forward to specifically or are you just looking forward to getting out and having a night at the wrestling with the Suplex Retweet family?
2: Yeah, definitely the latter. And it's probably worth just taking a minute to reflect. You think the journey that Fear and Loathing's been on as being ICW's flagship show. We had... You know, I was... I think it was... Um, it it may have been... Yesterday was the anniversary of the Grado Mania at the SECC which was uh, I was there for that fabulous fun night Gradle winning the ICW Championship from Drew, McFoley appearing and then we went then to the Hydro for the first three shows and obviously first year fabulous 8,000 people in the building Uh, no sellout Despite what some people might claim on Twitter, <laughs> uh, but a great show, a great house there. The second year, still a good house, not quite to the same levels. And also the third year, they did, uh, which would have been was that twenty nineteen year, less less so. And then we had two nights oh, t- at, 20, 2018, eighteen, twenty eighteen wasn't it? And then twenty nineteen with the two night show at. Um, at SWG three, should have uh, last year was that feeling loathing, and the Baralands loved it because venoms were incredibly cheap in that <laughs> venue. And
1: um, oh, I think a bad decision.
2: <laughs> yeah, always a good idea at the time. Um, <laughs> and that night, I think that two night show showed that the 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 thinness or the weaknesses within the roster. There's There's some talent coming through some new stars, but nobody hot or established yet. And a lot, felt like a lot of filler on that show. And I remember certainly night one, there'd been a noticeable change in the atmosphere in the show when Jason Reed and Chris Bungard match came on, the first match that mattered on on the show. So now, we should have been at the Barrowlands, it's now at the garage. I think we're now in the stage now where ICW is starting to get back to We'll do shows at a venue that will sell out, try and create a bit of demand so people will have to buy. And I think you're generally seeing this across Also, you know, working uh, events and so on as well. Um, there's very few events selling out now. So that they can create a demand where people stop having to think, well, I'll just buy my ticket the night, the day before. Yeah, you have to buy a ticket in advance now so they create a buzz around the world. Their shows again start to sell out and then they can start to scale them from that point onwards and we're of course going to get square go at the garage uh, in february as well so yeah i'm very much looking forward to you know we've had some cracking nights at icw uh wrestling in the garage uh, i'm looking forward to going back to to there and being with being out with my mates in terms of the show itself um the it's not the me, you know, I'm not excited about the main event if I'm honest with you. I'm, I'm not convinced about Stevie James and Craig Anthony challenging uh, as title challengers yet, so I'm not excited about about that yet. <laughs> um, but there's a death match in the card, <laughs> and I shudder to think what these guys are going to do. Uh, they are shudder to think what it's going to do because we've seen some pretty brutal brutal um, matches put on uh, death matches over the years and ICW there and also as I was alluding to there are a lot of talent that have yet to really catch on and I'm sure they will do um, so yes um, I'm looking forward to the night what about you, is there a match that you're looking forward
1: to in particular? Um, to be honest, I am looking forward to the Fatal Four Way. I like the fact that this has caused, like the 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 changes. I'm try, I was trying to look for the changes. Some false, some not. In wrestling in Scotland, has allowed a lot of guys from other wrestling schools because it did seem for a while ICW had the relationship. With uh, GPWA, it seemed like a lot of those guys were getting chances, uh-huh. and other people had to bust their ass to get noticed. This has opened up a vacuum. I think Craig Anthony, very athletic, very very high pace, very exciting. I think him and uh, Leighton Buzzard, you know, yeah. if they get a wee moment together, would be great. Kez Evans, despicable bastard, great heel.
2: I think. Um, yeah. Fabulous, and I think Leighton's fabulous. I think ICW had a chance to pull a trigger with uh, Leighton a while ago, particularly after he's hit with Joe Hendry.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, um, I think they had the chance then, but obviously COVID kind of stopped that as well. So, yeah. But yeah, I'd. And you know what? I, I like Stevie James. I think he's good. I think. He's better than he gets credit for. I think just a lot of people weren't too, too fussed on the purge because ICW was going through a bit of a same old, same old feel. So I, I reckon that'll be a cracking match, I think. Plus, I mean, Jack Jester, BT Gun, and a King of Insanity match, as you mentioned.
0: Yeah.
1: Christ's sake. That is going to be... That is, that is as well, that's ICW putting two of their biggest stars up against each other. That is them causing a draw and a bit of demand. And, you know, these guys really don't need to be the main event anymore. They're no. established. So I like the fact that it is four guys newer to the main event as opposed to the same old, same old. But yeah. we know for a fact BT on the Jack Jess put a great match. And Kwaku loves KOE. He's been raving for years about how good they are. I've not seen much of them. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy looking King Sharp and Krager so hey, that tag match will be great as well I think yeah absolutely absolutely
2: and we've got um, um, Sha Sam Yose right. and G- Jackie Polo which I'm hoping is going to lead to
1: something with the
2: other Jackie Polo because that will have been a
1: thing. Well, there's years. only one Jackie Polo just like there's only one each retweet. I don't know what you're talking about or what you're insinuating here Mr. Mr. Kernaghan yeah. So, indeed. Indeed. So
2: yeah, it'll be a cracking night. I'm looking forward to it. And um yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. And I'll obviously I, I will be going to the square goal because
1: I love a Royal Rumble. Of course, who doesn't? Um obviously Aaron Echo about his match against Chris Berngard now postponed. That'll be on the ICW Fight Club taping on the twenty seventh of November. But there is now an open challenge. Can we start getting more hopes up? Hoot, hoot. Do you think we maybe see a wee Grado appearance? Well, the rule is
2: that y- your surprise has got to be better than the person that was announced so you've got to give something to the fans so it has to be something like that I think I mm. hope very much it is Um now, given it's already sold out, they probably don't need to spend a lot of money on it. But something like that, that creates a moment that people think, oh, I wish I was there for it. will help enormously with our ticket sales for. Next thing, of course, there are there's a lot of talent in the UK now, particularly the people that have been released by NXT UK. So mm-hmm. it could be somebody that's um, available via that now
1: also Dylan Thorne in a last man standing match against the big staunch psychopath that is ADM I'm looking forward to that too. yes we'll be very much cheering on our good friend ADM <laughs> <laughs> but Gary thank you very much for joining me on this portion of ESSR Central the original ESSR Central not that copy one that's somewhere in Kilmarnock I'm going to say goodbye just now to Gary thank you Ross and hello to Scott
0: McLeod. Hi Scott. Look at it. Oh wait, I got confused.
1: One thing. Ask you for one simple thing and you can't do that right. Good God. <laughs> yes, Scott's here, much to my dismay. <laughs>
0: Hi Ross. I got that Piss right.
1: Up. Oh, you got that one right. Uh, Scott's here to help me preview Impact Wrestling's overdrive which is this coming Friday at time of recording. It'll be Friday the 18th of November from the Old Forest Parish Town Hall in Louisville, Kentucky, in <laughs> Wrestling, running those running those big, big arenas. And, of course, we're going to be previewing Full Gear, uh, which is coming from the Prudential Centre in Newark, New Jersey, for All Elite Wrestling. So... Scott, before we jump into Impact Wrestling and uh, AEW, you've listened to what me and Gary have spoke about. You've obviously got the script. Is there anything from this past week or so that you'd like to have your say on before we get into these?
0: Uh, uh, to paraphrase a thing that OSW would often, a phrase that OSW would often use, I want to use that but a story from the week. Date of your fucking company, mate. And that's directed to Billy Corgan because mm-hmm. oh, people may remember if you've been listening for a long time, there used to be a show here called Power Trip with three R's, because me and Stephen Wilson briefly reviewed NWA Power when it started on YouTube back in 2019, early 2020, you know, back when it was good. And so having those memories of like Eddie Kingston, Ricky Starks, you know, the good days of the star of the new version of NWA, and then seeing it come to this, we had Matt Cardona NWA champion. I don't know he got injured, but even when he had the belt, you didn't take full advantage of it. Even like with the cross-promotion potential with impact. and I'm like, okay, Nick Aldis, you clearly had a fallen out. But of all the people that had put it on, you put it on Tyrus. <laughs> Fucking Tyrus. I was talking about this with Callum, who has recently made his pro wrestling debut. Callum said, I think I'm a better wrestler than Tyrus, and I've only had one match. <laughs> to which my response was Mate, half of us aren't even trained and I'm pretty sure we'd be better wrestlers And better NWA champions Than fucking Tyrus
1: No, no It's, um, it's not exactly a good look for NWA At the minute um, Obviously we talked about Nick Aldis as well <laughs> Not happy uh, He doubled down on criticism Saying this is what I knew this was happening And it was important to me I gave my notice before this pay-per-view Like
0: there's a, a gif going around of Tyrus going out a splash in that match that he won the belt, where he jumps off the middle rope, lands on his feet briefly, and then crumples onto his opponent. Like The minute he lands, he forgets how legs work and just falls. <coughs> like, like a refrigerator has fallen on you. when uh, he just falls down. And that gif has been going around basically showing just how right Nick Ollis really is about all his criticisms for the NWA, he's on an interview calling it, saying how it's become the most toxic brand in wrestling, and people are annoyed about Billy Corgan, allegedly like, coming in basically refusing to do another Empower show, and saying like there's a lot of talented women out there, but I don't know if they can do the quote NWA style, and then people saying, but in that quote and then put the NWA style, and then that gif of Tyrus.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not a not been a great <laughs> not been a great um, few months for the NWA and I think we know I think we know why exactly he's leaving but anyway
0: um, I said to I said to Stephen Wilson in the group chat if we were still doing parachute and this is the NWA we were covering I'd quit podcasting all together <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather never record another podcast again than, week, than do weekly or even monthly reviews of a brand that has Tyrus as its world champion
1: yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Um, thankfully we're covering Impact Wrestling here. Impact Wrestling Overdrive, looking very over the limit and it's sponsoring <laughs> design. That's um but we kind of
0: over the limit. What can we have? Overdrive. That's good enough. Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. My my favorite impact pay-per-view named after the subtitle of a Power Rangers show. <laughs>
1: I don't know, I thought Impact SPD had its some moments But anyway, we'll move on to
0: <laughs> I, mean, I mean it was a different step down from Impact Wrestling Lost Galaxy But you know, it oh, had its merits
1: Absolutely, but Impact Wrestling Overdrive Seven match card, five title matches on the card um, And also a tables match and a career-threatening match So plenty of stuff on the card here I'm just going to run through the card quickly uh, Jordan Grace will go up against Masha Slamovich in a rematch from their match at Bound for Glory it's a last knockout standing match for the Impact's knockout world title Mickey James continues her final, uh, her last rodeo she's going up against Taylor Wilde for the first time ever in a career threatening match Bully Ray's going up against Moose in a tables match the Death Dolls, it'll be a combination of either Jessica, Taya Valkyrie or Rosemary going up against Savannah Evans or Tasha Steeles for the Impact Knockout World Tag Team. World Tag Team titles, easy for me to say. The Men's Impact World Tag Team titles, the champions Heath and Rhino going up against the major players Brian Myers and Matt Cardona. Black Torus and Trey Miguel will be going up against each other in the tournament final for the Impact Vacated Impact X Division title And if you're wondering why the title was vacated Because Kazarian has used it To cash in option C And he'll be taking on Josh Alexander For the Impact Worlds Championship Would you like to start with Scott Where, where would you like to start here
0: uh, I'd like to start, start At the bottom and work my way up And that's why I want to start with Billy Ray Okay <laughs> Because I'm still not Convinced that this is a good idea To have him here of course, it's a tables match. It's his thing. He'll never not be forced into tables matches at every possible opportunity. Like, do the thing. Shout the thing about the tables. Uh, the thing with, with Moose. And, you know, I, I imagine uh, Billy Ray will get the win and everything because he's still got that Collier shot trophy. Uh, just literally, every time Joyce Alexander appears on TV and interacts with somebody, they tell him the same thing. Don't trust Billy Ray. Like, can I get to some sort of next step or resolution to this, please? Because I've heard like, yes, he's a piece of shit. Can he turn or not turn? Like, I'm still not convinced with like, I'm. It's kind of. It's also kind of taking me out of the main event because I'd like Kazarian. Like, I would actually mind if Kazarian won the title, but I don't think with that cloud of you know most hanging around with the call your shotgun, it's really possible.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um- Still not convinced. Um, had Billy Ray uh, hanging about with Tommy Dreamer recently, which means Tommy Dreamer, who's in no shape to be wrestling at the moment, has been on Impact Wrestling recently, and I've not been a fan of that. Also means uh, also we we previewed um, Bound for Glory and reviewed it together. Um, in that call your shot twenty person uh, gauntlet battle royal. There was two obvious choices. I thought there was Steve Macklin, who has beaten Jay White, He's beaten Chris Saban, Alex Shelley, Moose, Sammy Callahan. He's been he's been going on a run. He was undefeated for almost a year, I believe. Um, he is someone who I, I mentioned it when we discussed um, former WWE superstars in the NWA. Well, that's not the reason we don't like Brotus Clay because he wasn't good in WWE. We don't like it because he's not good at all. Steve Macklin proved <laughs> that he can be a main event player, and he was the obvious choice, I think, going into that gauntlet. And then the returning Matt Cardona—that was a second choice if you weren't going to do anything with Macklin. But Billy Ray pinning and pinning clean uh, the guy we've spent a year building an impact, a uh, Steve Macklin. And then going up against Moose, who's your champion for six months, he was the last Call your Shop got about Battle Royal winner. He's been billed as this unbeatable guy for years, and now it just looks like Billy Ray's going to come in and beat him again. It's very much um, like Impact Wrestling, I feel, hasn't missed a step in two years. But mm-hmm. I think this Billy Ray storyline is a big misstep because... It screams Hogan and Bischoff, older guy, ex-WWE guy coming in and just going through all the young talent that they've spent time building. And what what happens when he doesn't beat Josh Alexander? Because I I, I certainly don't see Billy Ray becoming a three-time Impact World Champion. I certainly don't want to see it. So then Josh Alexander then goes on. He's been on a great run as World Champion. But he then gets to the point where he's beaten Billy Ray. Billy Ray has taken all the credibility of the challengers by beating them on the way up. What is next for Josh Alexander?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to win the title. I'm not that worried about him, you know, having the, the trophy and actually him you know, winning the title. But uh, yeah, I think I definitely thought the person who was going to beat uh, Josh Alexander probably should have maybe another opportunity through the the collier shot like uh, Steve Macklin, you know, who's not on this card, I should remind you. Uh, and so, like, it just makes you think, then where does he go from there? Because like, is the payout just going to be to have a straight up match. It's a hard to kill. Billy puts in an effort, but loses. And like, huh, he did. He tried it the right way. It didn't work. Maybe he's not such a piece of shit after all, even though stories from real life and probably he'll say something in the next three weeks on his busted open show that makes people think, actually, you are an arsehole.
1: <laughs> I know, but that wouldn't be in character, unfortunately. Um, okay. Let's talk about the only other uh, non title match on the card. Mickey James, Taylor Wilde. Mickey James, obviously, we mentioned earlier, uh, ITV want to have her and Nick Aldous involved in a world of sport revival. She's going through her last rodeo just now. If she's pinned, she will retire. Taylor Wilde came back at the Cogger Shop Battle Royal along with Billy A. She had the good sense not to win it, thankfully. <laughs> but um, she retired quite young before returning to wrestling, and it's it's good to see her back because there was a lot of matches left on the table when she retired, and this is certainly one of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of matchup. There was only a very like, brief interaction between. I think they those two in Jordan teamed in a, a six woman tag against Vex and Giselle Shaw, but that's really all I had. All I had because like it was almost like. Same episode that uh, Mickey beat Chelsea Green, and what looks like to be Chelsea Green's last Impact match, uh, rather than later announced. Oh, by the way, it's going to be Mickey James versus Taylor Wilde on the first time ever. I'm definitely going to look forward to seeing it because I like Taylor Wilde, and I don't know if she's really done that match in the brief time that we have seen her return to Impact. So, we're going to see that kind of clash of styles. Because I remember there was a story about how she was working at Sunglasses Hut when she was knockout champion and then got embarrassed because someone recognized her from TNA while she was at her day job. And then that's why she <laughs> left initially. Uh, so I really feel like the opportunity to build this match, loser must now go back to sunglasses. So. <laughs> but but I, I definitely see Mickey win this because I, I think her journey in this last radio, rodeo goes all the way up to her challenging whoever's the champion and then losing because I think that's kind of the idea. Like either you say, like, either I become the Knockout women's Champion or, um, or I hang it up. So, the idea of it ending after a success, an unsuccessful challenge for the Knockout Title, seems like a, kind of a fitting end to this, the story they're telling. Yeah. Um,
1: speaking of the Impact's Knockout World Championship, we'll we we'll jump into our first of five title matches on this card: <coughs> Jordan Grace versus Masha Slamovich. Masha Slamovich was on a run. It looked like she was going to take the title from Jordan Gracie. Jordan Gracie managed to defend the title. She also defended the title against Giselle Shaw on the November 10th episode of Impact. a uh, Slamovich returned however and attacked her on the entranceway with steel chairs. So looks like Master Slamovich has not forgotten, nor is she nor is she going to accept that loss. So it looks like we're going to up at a step we're going to go last knockout standing I'm looking forward to this I think I think this will be a good one Jordan Grace continues to show why she's so sought after but I think it's Masha Slamovic's time here I think I think it'd be good to have her take the title here
0: mm-hmm. I really enjoy when Jordan Grace defended the title recently against Giselle Shaw and Impact they got the main event slot because Impact's you know, not afraid to have the woman in the main event. Uh, I weirdly thought that her feud with, with Giselle Shaw was, felt like he just got started and it was going to be like a... That match could have easily fitted onto the overdrive card and then come back to mash out at, at Hard to Kill. Because uh, I think Hard to Kill and the idea of a last woman or last man standing match kind of fits the idea like person who won't stay down kind of thing. <laughs> uh so I thought like, Giselle would be a story, but if you haven't seen the Giselle match, go and watch it, because I know Jordan Grace was hyping it up on Twitter, saying like, she feels like we could have easily may have an impact special with that match. Uh, but I like this idea. You know, we've, we've got a taste of Masha in like, a violent match because she had that Monsters Ball match as part of the whole pick your poison and lead up to the match with Jordan. So maybe go up up in the ante a little bit. And I wouldn't mind seeing Masha get the win here. I, I know like when it's a rematch from a pay view that goes on to an impact plus special, I don't think a lot of people expect the title to change hands, but I think, you know, they play it right with the simulation they can protect Jordan, then build to an even bigger blow-off rubber match down the line.
1: Yeah, I think so. Well, they tend to do these sort of threes, don't they? So, you know, if they go on at 1-1, hard to kill, they could could up the ante a bit more, couldn't they? Well, they... they- Jordan Grace had, had a monsters ball match, hasn't she? Against um, yeah,
0: yeah, she was in. It was a four way one at, when they did that all Knockets pay per view last year. No, she also had one on TV.
1: uh or, sorry, um, what was it? Victory Road. Did she? I don't remember. Yeah, she she did. She'd won it, because it was the pick your poison.
0: No, no, that wasn't a monsters ball. It was her versus Max. Was just a, a regular match.
1: Wasn't I thought it was? I
0: thought it was. No. All right, well, fuck me then. <laughs> what do Are I you, you call yourself an impact fan? God, I wish, I hope somebody got fired for that blunder.
1: <laughs> yes, Maxim Pele. Sorry, I do apologize. <laughs> well, we'll move on from the Knockouts World Title to the Knockouts Tag Titles. Savannah Evans and Tasha Steeles going up against the death dolls. I don't like the death dolls. I don't like <laughs> Jessica. I just don't. I thought she was horrendous as havoc and she's equally as bad as Jessica. Um, Ty of Valkyrie rosemary I enjoyed them I enjoyed them together. I've enjoyed Savannah Evans recent run you know she had our um sort of five minutes of fame challenge. And the other week there, she hits someone with a cutter straight away, looks like she's going to win, and she just gets out the pen, gets the mic and just says, this is what you're giving me, really? The best who beat the best? You're giving me this? Nah, no more. She said, uh, sorry, Tasha Steeles, that's who that was, sorry. And she said, Savannah Evans on this poor job, <laughs> And Savannah Evans and Tasha Steeles have made it clear, they want the gold, they want the gold sucker and they're coming for the Death Dolls. I'm hoping it's going to be the team of Ty of Valkyrie and Rosemary because I really just don't need to see Jessica or Havoc or whatever you want to call her wrestle.
0: Sorry, I was looking uh, online, I was double checking I was going to mention a match that they built this, I was going to make sure it was the right people involved but I, was, I, I just saw a lot preview for tonight's impact it already happened by the time you see us but as a match I would have loved to see an Overdrive that's randomly just been announced for Tonight's Impact. It's a four way of Raj Singh and Shira beat Ace of Bay, which is what I, what I call uh, Ace Austin and Chris Bay, versus <laughs> Morrison Machine Guns versus Aussie Open. Nice.
1: There you
0: go. Uh, yeah, I, I'm wondering if, because on the most recent Impact, we had uh, Jessica being kind of depressed that the previous week she'd lost and a match to kind of build to the show and. You know as much as they were trying to encourage her and keep her focused, she was kind of more interested in getting a drink to kind of drown her sorrow. So, I'm wondering if maybe they'll have it where because it's been teased online that they don't know which combination, so it could be like the old combination of like Rosemary and Taya. So, maybe have them do it with Jessica I guess, off on the outside, and then you know, she's too bit wrapped up in her own like mistakes to help them, which could kind of help cost them the match. Because I do think inevitably either. She turns back into havoc and turns on Rosemary, or Rosemary gets sick of her and betrays her. Because I definitely think there's going to be some sort of a blowout at one point or another. But i kind of worried about the women's tag titles and impact because I've noticed there's a weird pattern with these belts where a new team is formed. They win the tag titles. They have a rematch at the next impact, World special against the team they lost them to. And then the next big defensive special, they lose them. And then the cycle repeats itself. It, it does look like
1: it is very WWE 2010, 2011. Team formed, team wins title, team breaks up, then we just rinse and repeat, and there's one there's one kind of team in there continuously. They're, you know, there's there's always like a new Souls or a Heart Foundation who never never get their due, but they're just kind of constantly there like, have you need teams? We're here, we're here.
0: <laughs> but, um, we just so lost another team If because if, if the rumours are true that is uh, going back uh, then there's another team in Vex which I thought could have been a good team for the division
1: mm-hmm. also obviously lost uh, Tennille Dashwood and mm-hmm. Madison Ream maybe, maybe Madison Ream can just team with um, what's-her-face Deanna Purrazzo just Yeah, many those teams together mm-hmm. but anyway um Move on to the men's world tag team titles. Heath and Rhino, good to see them back together. <laughs> it seemed to be, obviously, at the start of Impact signing spree in 2020, Heath and Rhino were brought in. The plan was always to get them the tag titles together. And it's just, it's not happened, obviously. Injury to Heath, injury to Rhino, feuds in between the on and no more stuff. But they're finally tag team champions. They're picking up where they left off in 2016 in WWE. But going up against the major players, Matt Cardona, and the now former Impact Digital Media champion, Brian Myers.
0: Mm. Yes. He's now lost to the former local hero, Joe Hendry. Uh, <laughs>
1: now, now the national hero. <laughs> yes.
0: I'm, I'm wondering if he'll get you'll po- get put popped onto the, onto the pre-show, because that's where they seem to like keeping the digital media title, but uh, I remember seeing this feel Like, well, doesn't this just feel like 2016 SmackDown? Because I'm pretty sure just <laughs> after Heath and Rhino lost the titles, Zach uh, Ryder and Mojo Raleigh got me like number one contenders. But then you know, because Zach was carrying Mojo so much, his knee gave out, and they sadly never got their shot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I agree with you in that. I think it's always been their plan to make them the chance because, You know, Rhino won the Call Your Shot Trophy, but the only reason he won it is because during that match he was meant to win it. And then he almost immediately injured himself, uh, so he had to use that <laughs> shot when he briefly joined FBD. Uh, but now they're the champions, I don't as much as I like to see the Major Bros as tag team champions. I don't think they'd they take the belts off of Heath and Rhino. So I any of they may have to do a rematch with the Major Bros, I could see it then. I think there was a whole thing with Heath going after Rhino more, and then him and Rhino winning the belts from OGK was like the payoff to that. So I think I think they're going to let the like, tag title like set me able to have a few more defenses against. Like say, machine guns or stuff like that until they drop them?
1: I, I don't know. I think, obviously, um, the heels are always better chasing the title than they are holding the title. I think Josh Alexander's the example of that. He's had some good feuds with the likes of Eric Young and Eddie Edwards, but there has been some, not dull matches, but certainly dull feuds in there. I think if even Rhino go start chasing it again, the more set machine guns will be no no bones about the fact that they want to be tag champs again. Aussie Open are starting to Mm -hmm. get some traction and impact. Them chasing the major players along with the rest of the pack could lead to some interesting matches and some interesting storylines, I think. So, I'm going to go Myers and Cardona. I just don't see why Myers would lose the title if they weren't going to put the tag titles on them.
0: Interesting enough, because I think the finish of that match, if anyone has to say it, was like, my, like Cardona was getting involved and then Heath and Rhino chased him off. And then, have you seen that Henry's got a new finish? It's like a sit out kind of choke slam and it's called the standing ovation.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, so Heath and Rhino caused them a title. I think they'll cheat to steal their title. I think that's where we're heading here. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, how, thanks, I, I'm, I'm actually I'm I'm pretty happy either way with this match
1: just a hmm, well thanks for your input
0: there <laughs> well, uh, well, I already, already said earlier I don't think they dropped them yet but if they they a rematch then I think they will drop them uh, moving on
1: to the tournament final of the vacant ex-division title um, so the brackets here are two sides of the brackets and one seems a lot more star-studded than the other uh, Alan Angel Trey Miguel Kenny King and Mike Bailey on one side and on the other, Black Tarus, Laredo Kid, Yuya Yamura, Yu- Yu- and PJ Black. Um, I, Black Tarus certainly stands out as a shock here, even on the weaker side of the bracket. Trey Miguel, even though he has got the likes of Kenny King and Mike Bailey on his side, I, I don't think it's a surprise given how he's been booked and impact in 2022 that he's in the final. But Black Tarus certainly, uh, Certainly a, b- a bracket buster, but I can't say I want to see him go all the way personally.
0: <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind Ray Black Torres winning the belt. You know, Trey puts on solid matches, but he's not got much of a, of a character since he went on his character as I like Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very much his his character right now, and you know, I'm, I mean, I'm happy. I think it was going to be him. The winner of him and Luido Kid, I think, was always going to be. A, a favourite for that side of the bracket. I'm just happy that BJ Black didn't win it. Oh, God. <laughs> you know?
1: he, he is not old, by the way, but he looks fucking. He looks like Johnny Depp. He, look, he looks like Johnny Depp's <laughs> uglier brother in Pirates of the Caribbean. He's only 41. He looks 81.
0: <laughs> he looks like a weird cross between uh, a, a Johnny Depp impersonator and like Adam Rose. During the start of that gimmick, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I I I've had a weird feeling they might give him him in the final because you know he was around during that weird DFW period, and like he's got he's recognizable to a certain number of the audience. But I'm kind of happy Black Torres went through. He he and Crazy Steve haven't really had much as a tag team. Like they've had opportunities, but they've never been really been given much as a team. But He's been a standout in certain matches. Whenever they do big multi-man X-Division matches, he's always a standout. He had a really solid match in 2021 during... Sorry, yeah, it was in 2020. Well, it was 2022. Yeah. Whenever Josh Alexander was a champion, Jesus, the 2020s have fucking molded together. <laughs> so there was a point where Josh Alexander was on that great run as X-Division champion. He challenged him for the title. And... Yeah, you know, it's a fully explained unsuccessfully, but it was a really solid match. It was his first big standout singles effort. It was twice one, I remember it now. <laughs> uh I'm sure of it. I want Black Tarus to win.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um no, it's not I love how you say Tree's not got much of personality when Black Tarus is, is I'm the son of Manta.
0: <laughs> no, no, he's I've I've said about uh Taurus in the past is use what you see online when you order Mantar, and Mantar is what you get when you arrive. Like, when you order something mm-hmm. online, whatever the picture is, it's definitely not the thing you're getting.
1: Fair enough. Um, option C, uh, once again, so how Josh Alexander won the title, and Frankie Kazarian is using that option himself. I think if Frankie Kazarian had cut ties with AEW and went, right, I'm all impact now. I'm completely an impact wrestler. I I could see him winning here because it's the the storylines there, the guy that's been there since day one. But I, given the friction between the two companies, I don't see them putting the world title on an AEW superstar.
0: I mean you say that but Christian was a big part of the uh, AEW program when they gave him the impact title. You know, jumping between Impact tapings and then appearing on TV, he may have evented all out as, as Impact champion. You know, he'd be doing that back to his promo, was holding the bill. So I wouldn't actually be against that because they're not really doing anything with Kazarian. So you know, it's like in football, have put him on loan to Impact for a <laughs> wee while. You know, because I don't think a, a section of the E.W. audience is really going to miss him because I don't think he was doing much other than like dark and dark elevation before he. He came in for that triple threat revolver. So yeah, he, a, he was the elite killer.
1: Um, he didn't do anything there. I mean, Bullet Club are actually in Impact now. He's not done anything there either.
0: So um, he he's did a better job hunting down Honor and on more than bloody Frankie Kazarian never did the, the elite. At least he's actually got to win something from his faction.
1: Well, no, Frankie Kazarian was part of Team Impact. He was he beat on or no more, so he done more that with that than he did the Elite. Yeah, look, I have no doubt this is going to be a great match and look, I get everything you said about Christian, but Christian was being used at the time in uh, AEW. I think, obviously, the, the companies weren't exactly on great terms when the Forbidden Door partnership sort of ended, so I can't see I can't see Kazarian winning the title And I don't think it's a good look for impact if the guy that couldn't get on AWTV or the guy who was last seen teaming with Sammy and uh, Ty Conte in a losing six-man tag where they were stealing uh, MMA fighters' belts is the guy that dethrones their world champion. So I, I think it will be a great match, but I just think Kazarian's got a bit of work to do to work off the AEW stink that is on him just now.
0: Yeah. I feel about him potentially win the ta- same way I feel about uh, when Alex Shelley got his tail shot back at Emergence. It's this like, long-time guy associated with Impact Wrestling who's never got a chance to be world champion. But you, know, you really feel like he, sh- he should get at least that couple-month run but, like I said, if like, Frankie had like, got this to like call your shot and everything, uh, and like there was more of a storyline here, then I'd be more inclined to it, and as much as I'd like to see it happen, I think Josh is still going to hold on to it, but I think once Josh has the thing with Billy Ray and hopefully beats him, I think they need to then wrap up the Josh title run, because as good as a run as it has been, like I said, it's been more matches than stories, and... Mm-hmm. I think to save him from being like as stale by the impact crowd, he, he really need to end in early 2023. I, think I really thought the match with Eddie was going to be like the, the prime spot for him to lose it for a while, then earn it back because he does seem like a guy who can have like multiple reigns as champion. But I didn't expect this first frame to go on as long as it has done.
1: I'm drawing parallels between this and the Drew McIntyre run. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew McIntyre obviously wins the title of WrestleMania, loses it briefly to Randy Orton, wins it back, uh, and then goes on another run. Has the never ending feud with Bobby Lashley. It was good at the start, but then obviously it dragged on near the end. And the fans started to turn on him so much so that they cheered Jinder Mahal pushing him off the ladder <laughs> when it was like he was going to win Money in the Bank because it was like, you know, we've had. Just about eighteen months of Drew and the main event constantly. We, we'd like to go somewhere else here, and I, I don't think face champions can ever. If Roman Reigns was a face, this run wouldn't be happening. But as a heel, it, it works these long title runs. I don't see. I don't see it continuing much longer, as you said. I think it has to be wrapped up before we start getting people turning on him. Or hey, mm-hmm. like, may, maybe he can turn heel. You know, Frankie Kazarian's a beloved Impact original. H- if he turns heel this weekend, it could easily add six months, or at least up until Rebellion in April. You know, to that title range.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think if you want to carry on to Rebellion for that, get that solid kind of year mark. Because I think you recently passed a. Uh, like the third, he's now the third longest single reign with the title. The only people who hold it longer than him are AJ Styles and Bobby Roode. I think they were making a big deal on social media when he when he got the first day hype that he was the fourth longest. Now he's the third. Maybe this is going to be their thing now, of Josh like taking every further challenge more seriously because he's getting close to becoming the all-time record holder, and maybe they'll take the belt off him just after he breaks it or. It'll be a case of, just as he's about to break it, you know, somebody like Steve Macklin kind of spoils that for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, there is feuds to be had there. I just I don't think there's much more he can do as a face. But we'll move on from, uh, from Louisville, Kentucky to Newark, New Jersey. The very next night, AEW Full Gear, ten matches on the card, seven title matches. Uh, one match that will not be on the card is the final of the AEW World Championship Eliminator obviously for those watching no, Ethan Page is already in the final but uh, Ricky Starks and Lance Archer's quarterfinal match has not yet happened because, they have been, uh, because Ricky Starks has not been cleared so he's going to take on Lance Archer this Friday on Rampage the winner of that will take on Brian Cage on the Zero Hour pre-show and then this coming Wednesday, the winner of I, one of either Archer, Starks or Cage will take on Paige. Easier for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's a match unfortunately it's not going to be on the card, but there's still plenty on the card. I am hoping some of this has moved to the pre-show, good lord, because
0: Before you go into that, Russ, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are. Myself included, are, are hoping that it starts to goes all the way through to fight Page. The only reason I would want Brian to to win is just the idea of a match within, w- between Cage and Page. <laughs> uh, there'll be a rage. But uh, as you mentioned, this full I've heard like re- they've been hyping up for a little bit that this full gear is almost going to be like part. Let's say <laughs> Rampage is going to be a part of full gear, like full gear. I just so I thought there'd be some big matches on it. And uh, it just looks like a bunch of matches that couldn't be earth putting on a rampage on a fucking pre show. Get moved to this with the exception of the eliminator. So you the Brian Cage i no, why you got the Lance Archer the, Ricky Starks is the biggest match on this, like full gear rampage, as it's just been hyped up as there's three other matches on the show. You got Madison Rain versus Athena. Uh Juden Takiyama, I believe it is, and Kuneske Takeshita are gonna take on Ortiz and Eddie Kingston because apparently these two have being guys that Kingston's wanted to fight for a little while, and the most prestigious title in all of AEW, the main belt on Rampage that isn't from Ring of Honour, the FTW title is on the line, as uh, Lee Moriarty, after putting in a solid ever against John Moxley recently, is now being the latest person to be fed to Hook. <laughs> and that's basically your pre-pre-show to Ramp to Full Gear.
1: The pre-pre-show, good God. So yeah, we
0: had Brian
1: Cage held the title for 377 days, Starks held it for 378 days and Hooks holding it for 113 days.
0: Yeah, I think uh,
1: so, there you
0: go. so yeah, the the Cage match on FM, he is going to be also on the pre-show. We know that against the winner of the Starks uh, Archer match. Uh, there's 10 matches I think uh, that we're currently looking at. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, by the time Rampage ends, three more matches are added and two of them are on the pre-show because Tony, he's just got this thing. Like, like he's already <coughs> on ten matches. Like, he can't, he can't leave up well enough alone. Like, only, I think only two of the matches that are on the show were, were added after Dynamite, which is, which is restraint on his part because the, when there was the eight, eight matches before the most recent Dynamite that were on the card, I actually had that in a group challenge. So like, see, this on its own would be a solid card, <laughs> given the talent involved. Like you you look at a car like that when you're like less than a week away from like it's hard because you know there's going to be a lot more just crammed in there.
1: Yeah. Um Well, so we say ten matches will be eleven by the time we find out Brian Cage yeah. is supporting. So God help us if he adds three more matches. But I, a big card here. So just run down the card. Uh, we've got big sweaty men going right at it. Big big meaty men slapping meat. In a three-way match to unify the AEW TNT title and the Ring of Honor World Television title, Wardlow the AEW TNT champion, Samoa Joe the Ring of Honor World Television champion and Powerhouse Hobbs in a triple threat match. Uh, Death Triangle going up against the Elite for the AEW World Trios Championship. Luchasaurus against Jungle Boy Jack Perry in a steel cage match. Um, from TNA 2007, we have Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal against Sting and playing the role of main event mafia member number four, Darby Allen in a tag team, <laughs> t- sorry, in a tag title match. Uh, Sariah, formerly known as Paige, returns to in ring action. She's taking on Doctor Britt Baker DMD. Jade Cargill will defend the AWTBS title against Nyla Rose. A fatal four-way match for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. Mass Singers Chris world Jericho.
0: Champion. What? The world championship? No, you said the tag titles. Sorry, the fatal four-way
1: for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Mass Singers Chris <laughs> Jericho <laughs> <laughs> defending his title against Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, and Sammy Guevara. A singles match for the interim AEW World Ta- uh, Women's World Title. Tony Storm against Jamie Hayter, the acclaimed. Uh, Anthony Bones and Max Castor defend their titles and the love of Billy Gunn against Swerve and their glory, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland and John Moxley defends the E.W. World Championship against MJF this is MJF's Casino Ladder Poker Chip Cash-In Match wow, big card there um, where do you want to start?
0: Uh, let, let's talk with one of the newer matches uh... Looking at this, I feel like uh, when Brock Lesnar saw Keith Lee in the Rumble, ooh, big boys! The uh, the <laughs> triple threat, because I was convinced that the whole the storyline because they had been teasing dissension between uh, like that that Joe's eyes were turned to like getting annoyed with with Wardlow, and I thought it was going to be a case of uh, Wardlow v Hobbs, Joe Costas, so maybe they do a Ring of Honor TV title like, between Joe and Wardlow as part of the feud at like final battle. And then he turned on him a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, oh, oh, well, then that's. They're blowing a load on that one. And then I like Joe's promo where he can't justify his actions, and it's really, a really solid promo. It's nice to see Heal Joe back. That's when he's at his best. And then it's like, oh, I would have preferred if they actually did just like a. Okay, let's do a winner takes all match because the TNT Title and the TV title very much mean exactly the same, and that's not a lot right now. So just do a big winner takes all triple threat, but. You know, sometimes you like to watch big men, you know, slapping meat. And honestly, I don't want Wardlow to win. I'd rather either the other two win. I can't really figure out who I want to win because it's, Hobbs technically lost the feud to Ricky Starks, Yet, seemingly is the one getting pushed towards a title, even though Starks is in this tournament. I've noticed that a lot. if you noticed that there's been a trend recently of people in feuds across WWE and AEW, who are the loser seems to come out better. Like Rollins lost the fight, but yeah, he's the he's now the biggest best thing on Raw, whereas everybody's hating Matt Riddle again.
1: Yeah, I, I we discussed Matt Riddle uh, obviously in the earlier part of the show, me and Gary. Where Matt Riddle, I think, is drifting for the simple fact they thought Randy Orton would be back by out, and it's like mm-hmm. we are in the limbo of finding out where he is. We are l- leading up to Royal Rumble season, which means obviously everyone's eyes is towards the Rumble anyway. So it's kind of like, look, let's just kind of keep them out there, keep them on TV. But um, looking at the titles, obviously Ring of Honor has. You've got the World Championship, the World Television. Oh, it.
0: Actually, actually, I think it's a, I think I've just seen here on the the. I mean, it's on the Wikipedia one. I didn't see it when it was announced on Twitter. I thought it was just for the TNT. Actually, as a unification match. So, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Look, so just got both belts to Joe rematch against either one of them at final battle because you know because
1: Joe needs to actually do something I've made it now yeah so you've got the world title the world television title the pure championship held by Daniel Garcia um, the world tag team titles held by FTR the six man tag titles held by Dalton Castle and the boys and the ring of Honor World, world women's world championship held by Mercedes Martinez so one two three four five six Six titles there. I think AW until they find a weekly show for Ring of Honor are trying to cut down on the tag t- on the titles. I wouldn't be surprised to see the winner of the trios title unifying with the Ring of Honor World Six Man Tag Titles in the future, um, and cutting it down just to World Pure Tag and Women's. Uh, back to yeah. the days of the brand split you've got your main, your mid, your tag your woman. That's there, there's your full titles um, and if you don't have your woman, you've got your cruiserweight on Smackdown because um, apparently they're interchangeable <laughs> uh, well at least that's what Smackdown vs Raw GM mode in 2006 taught us but yeah I think cutting down the titles is a good thing um, there is too many belts if everyone's a champion no one is a champion and I think things like this and the FTW title need to go in the future and this hopefully think, is the first step towards that.
0: Yeah, I think as much as it would be a cool visual for an FTR eventually get that shot at the AEW belt of them holding four titles I also think it would be a better story for them to drop all their titles before they if they ever become champs again because again yeah, you have got like three extra belts like me and Grant have been talking about it I'm fairly confident that because FTR, because of their cabins, I'm assuming with Ring of Honor and AEW aren't in the, the annual World Tag League tournament in New Japan when mm-hmm. they're getting a shot at their IWGP belts at Wrestle Kingdom, but I'm pretty much convinced that that's going to be the end of their run for now in New Japan that they'll drop those IWGP belts there and wouldn't be surprised if they maybe drop the Ring of Honor belts at a final battle.
1: i just fucking love for Triple H to bring them home. Have them be the ones to end the Uso's reign. <laughs> Just, oh, just, oh. But anyway, in this match, uh, Wardlow, I think, has suffered the Curse of the Face champion. Uh, I would like to see either Joe or Hobbs win. Let's go for Hobbs and then a rematch with Joe at final battle.
0: Yeah, that's right. Cool. So I'm seeing conflicting things. Some places say it is a unification match. Some people are saying it isn't. So so let's say it's in a unification match and Hobbs gets to win the TNT title and then you mm-hmm. can spin off the Joe. Uh, Wardlow thing into the team, into the TV title at Final Battle because you know, it'll be a nice bit of crossover given that Tony owns both companies. But a <laughs> minute, at the minute, I stopped taking uh, Wardlow seriously. It's like he keeps referring to AEW as Wardlow's World, and somebody get <laughs> uh, fired on that by playing the Wayne's World team every time he said that. <laughs> so they was like Wardlow's World, Wardlow's World, party time.
1: Um, so let's move on to the um, the women's title, E.W. Women's title. Uh, Thunder Rosa still out injured. The interim world uh, women's world champion, Tony Storm, defending against Jamie Hayter. News coming out today that William Regal has put forward the idea of just making Tony Storm the undisputed women's world champion. A uh, Thunder Rosa has been injured since August twenty fourth. We are now into the seventeenth of November. Ninety-day rule in my my book. Someone can be in. Yeah, if you want to do the interim championship, you know what? That's that's fine. I'm not fan of them. But one, two, three. Yeah, as of the twenty-fourth next Wednesday, next Thursday, that will be ninety days. I think Tony Storm, if she wins here, which I think she will, should be named the official AEW Women's Title. And you just say to Thunder Rosa, when you come back, if you can come back, you're first in line.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of people going back and forth, and that some people think that they'll finally pull the trigger on the split of hater and Britt Baker, which they teased uh, back at the four-way uh, all-out when Britt tried to pin Jamie. Uh Whereas I've seen other people saying, like, well, you you should bet the trend of like the interim champion never losing by having Jamie win and maybe Brett being annoyed that she's got hurt what she perceives as her belt, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't. I'd be I'd be more confident about the split coming on this show. Had had Brett not also been booked on the card as well, but then again you could play a uh, Brett's not there to help Jamie earlier in the night, and then you can put then you put uh, Brett and Soraya on later on. And basically, you have Jamie leave Britt the same uh, kind of similar fashion to when uh, Wardlow won the the ladder match, and then just kind of casually betrays NJF by like, oh, I can't find that diamond ring, and then says NGF down like, oh, here it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I think this one's pretty cut and dry. I think Tony Storm wins. Um, let, let's talk about Britt Baker because she is in action. It's a big return to the ring for the former page, now known as Sareah. Uh, um, I think the rule is when you make your return match, you always have to win.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like it's, it's the exact same. Like when Punk came back to fight Darby Allen, that like, you knew, like the guy person coming back wasn't going to lose. Uh, I think it's fair enough because like Brett doesn't wouldn't be a heart all that much. I don't think well, lost because she pretty much wins everything else. It's felt like for like a year or so, like to win held the title for ages, she won the one heart cup when I don't really think she should have so you never lose there, although it's been really hard to get invested in the bill because they had that promo when they announced that Surrey was cleared and you're like like you're okay on the mic page but Brett is clearly far better than you are Yeah. so but, like, but then Surrey and was kind the of yeah uh, cause, yeah, cause yeah, she was very scathing on bits. So, like, I'm hoping that doesn't become a trend where she like she basically just runs in like I've been on this bigger stage. I have fought. I care about this more because I fought back from injury, and then just goes on and beats the established people. Cause after a while, it's gonna make the Romans Ross that have been here look shit compared to you know the person coming in from the other other company. And also, you don't want Paige to become like what Edge was for a while pre-Judgment Day. Where every promo was about how hard he came, he fought to get his career back. Great, great, great.
1: <laughs> well, we're three down, we're seven to go. Um, hi guys, did you enjoy Ric Flair's final match? Did you no. enjoy the team of Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett? No, well, good news, they're here, they're here in AEW. Yes, that's right, Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal himself, the former Ring of Honor world champion, the guy making Ric Flair jokes back in 2010, still doing it in 2022, teaming with Jeff Jarrett, 55-year-old Jeff Jarrett, to take on the team of Darby Allen and 63-year-old Sting. Oh, like, Christ, fucking hell! They're complete. <laughs> like, like I, I get that when they got Sting back and Sting was clear to wrestle it was a big thing and obviously it hides some of the limitations that come with age and injury Sting has to be in tag matches but does Sting have to be in a tag match that's so pointless and does Sting have to be in a so pointless tag match on every single show if you want it why can't Sting be a tag champ you know what I mean? Look, Darby uh, Allen could use the title. Sting could give him the rub. How many tag? How many great tag teams would love to be in the ring with Sting?
0: I know, like, I mean, like it, it further, you know, highlights how much this ranking thing is working. Because yeah, ETRC, so like, we've been the number one ranked number one for months, but haven't got our title shot. Sting and Darby Allen have been; I've never lost in a straight up two-on-two two tag match. So, you know. <laughs> If they really cared about, you know, the best win-loss figures, getting tied Tails, you know, it's the, most un- the most dominant team by default in AEW is Sting and Darby Allin. So I don't yeah. know why this isn't why they aren't a chance, but can I talk about Jeff Jarrett for a second here? No, on you go. No. Because the best thing about his return is that he came out for a promo to yeah. his My World Team song. <laughs> which is, we can all agree is the undisputed best one, with a close second being his WCW ch- ch- chosen one. Oh, I will not hear this,
1: my baby tonight slander, but go on.
0: Technically, it wasn't his theme song, but I didn't even sing it, the lip syncing bastard. (laughs) No, it was
1: the greatest man in the world, Billy Gunn.
0: No, it was Billy Gunn, the guy who did all the talking for Billy Gunn, the guy who's apparently a better sports entertainer than Bret Hart, (laughs) uh, as he said on his podcast recently. Uh, But yeah, and then I saw a caption from like the. uh, the attitude of podcast talking like, don't you wind me up? I thought, oh, that's funny, because maybe there'll be like a thing, oh, we can't technically say piss me off or everything, so they'll try and get around to it. Then I watched the segment. No, he actually said, are you trying to wind me up? Don't you <laughs> dare wind me up. Like, you're TV-14 on TBS. You can, People have sworn before, you can say piss. Don't, you can say piss, don't try and piss me off. Like, oh, that, And then he get tried
1: to... T- 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 They've got T-shirts that say... Pin me, Daddy Wardlow, and scissor me, daddy ass, and yet they can't say don't piss me off
0: Look, when did wrestling get so kinky all of a sudden First the Dom and stuff, and then all this mm-hmm. like it's Gary Canahan got he's like a, Gary Cannh's influence in wrestling I'm telling you the dirty <laughs> bastard <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I joked when it first got announced that I believe Julius was big game, he should be on every AWP review and Pointless those matches, but every match. He should have a different person from like TNA's past as his tag team partner. But <laughs> so he end that six man tag all out with the machine guns. Then he's he's like got he, Sanjay Dutt as his manager, uh, Jerry Jared as his tag partner here. Next next time on pay per view, Revolution, Jay G- G- Lethal, Curryman Man, and Shark by going after the trios titles.
1: And then Jay Lethal has a run at the tag titles with Monty
0: Brown. Oh, don't throw me with a good time. Yeah, <laughs> taken from the wrestling business too. So he just buggered off. So he did. So.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Big man, Corvon well man.
0: But anyway, um, Sting and Darby Allen to win this one. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, we'll we'll start cutting through some of these ones. Um, Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose. I don't see Jade Cargill losing anytime soon. Nyla Rose is still cutting about with Jade Belt, isn't she?
0: Yes. Well, I think that they just got it back. I think one of the conditions was for getting the matches. She had to give the belt back. Oh. And if you're going to have somebody, you know, if they built Nile up as the monster she's meant to be portrayed as, then maybe I would think she had a chance of being the one to finally beat uh, Jade. But I don't think the feud that leads to the first loss for Jade revolves around a stolen title.
1: Nah, well, you never know at the
0: minute but anyway,
1: uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry going up against Luchasaurus in a steel cage match, this is obviously to end the feud that he's having with uh, Luchasaurus and Christian um, I think it's got to be Jungle Boy here hasn't it?
0: Yeah, it's got to be because they had to kind of dance around it with an angle with uh, Luchasaurus revealing he actually was on Christian's side at all out because Christian got injured so he's got a case to keep out Christian Cage But I think a lot of the money I think you were going to get from this feed would probably be between Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy because they were like one of the OG tag teams in AEW. They got that relationship with the crowd. And I think, you know, they talk about Jungle Boy being a pillar. If you want to start him off now as solidly as a singles guy, then a big win here against his former partner on pay-per-view would be a good way to start. So, yeah, Jungle Boy for the win.
1: And uh, the tag team titles... The Acclaimed versus Swerve and our glory. I think this is to just sort of end the feud once and for all. Uh, Keith and Swerve getting their rematch. The Acclaimed are still massively over the crowd. I think this one's cut and dry. The Acclaimed.
0: Yeah, definitely. The Acclaimed. Uh, I think this is where Keith Lee and Swerve finally have their follow as well. There's a lot of stories in AEW sell, sell around people falling out with each other. But did you see the clip from Dynamite, the uh, the acclaimed music video.
1: Yes, yes. Wonder if Captain Ensino <laughs> will be in the corner of the acclaimed.
0: Oh, but well, it's sort of might best to try something because you know Captain Zeno shows no mercy.
1: <laughs> he poked me in the air. <laughs> <at. laughs> <laughs> but um let's let's talk about the AEW World Trios title. Um the latest in a long, 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 long line of championships in AEW. Um the Death Triangle Pack. PNT L Zero Mierda and Ray Phoenix. Currently the champions won the championship on the post dynamite eh, post all out dynamite or brawl out eh, after the elite had the title stripped from them. Pac put out the challenge, said, Come and have a go. you think you're hard enough. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> I, that, buddy, we are Death Triangle, we fear no one. Uh, and then it was announced later that night that the Elite would indeed be at full gear. They're coming back for the titles they never lost. What do you think the reaction to the Elite will be after the whole CM Punk thing? It does seem like um, does seem like they've come out better than Punk because Punk just kind of scattergunned everyone. Um, yeah. However, there has been reports that Maybe the review into All Out, and I use that word lightly, um, was maybe kind of biased in their favour from Tony Khan because he was wanting CM Punk out of the company at that point. Do you think it'll just be a case of internet fans forgiving or do you think there might be a, a bit of a hostile reaction to the Elite? Well, they
0: did that thing with the the graphic and then, because the, they'd been doing those videos of them, elite being kind of like thanos like snapped out of the existence of AEW, and uh, the mm-hmm. idea of them being replaced with dress triangles tree of champions and then them reappearing and then the, the crowd popped when they saw it so i'm sure they'll get a solid reaction when they do show up because i think a lot of the reason people favored them over punk was the fact that you know punk did this right before right after he'd just buried the company and a lot of their top stars one of the funniest things, I know it's been referred to as, like, brawler and everything. One of the funniest ones I heard recently was it was referred to as the Great Bomb. The what? Uh, the Great Bomb. Like, Great <laughs> Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, and, you know, selfishly from my draft team, because you might remember Young Bucks from my tie team, they won me a big match and then got fucking suspended. <laughs> so selfish. So for the other reason I'm kind of rooting for the elite, but I think a lot of evidence, even though it was a bit of a shambles, didn't see me pointing the elites feel like the stuff with Larry the dog came out late, and then they were like, Yeah, well, that's not true. And if it was true, they would have mentioned it earlier on and not so far down the line. And then there's the thing, like you said, with the being examples of like, I think there were people in the room, like Ace Steel's wife, who weren't talked to despite being in the room where the incident took place. Yeah. So it's weird, but I think maybe there was a, they're, they're going to try and turn it into some sort of storyline starting with. The elite wins their belts back, whether or not they get cheered or not. So maybe you can bring them back and then slowly turn the elite back into being heels. Because I think even when they're faces, they act like heels. So you can kind of do it. So I've seen a theory that the idea of like, the elite turning heel because these vignettes are like the idea that they don't like, they, they feel like AEW, the couple they found who trying to erase them of existence, by immediately stripping them with the belts when in their minds they feel like they were in the right.
1: That that could be a good heel run. I would like to see. I, I think it makes um, what's the phrase? Death triangle look kind of weak yeah. though. If it's just a case of yeah, you had these titles because we weren't here. Like I think I'd like to see them win also selfishly for my draft team because I do pack.
0: But um, <laughs> I mean, another storyline. I thing with pack again. There's another possibility for our team to follow because pack has been encouraging like. Phoenix and that to cheat like him because he was using the ring hammer in some Mm -hmm. of his Atlantic title defences before he lost to Aoris Cassidy. And then Phoenix had a title opportunity and then Pac told him, Well, you need to do whatever it takes. And then when he offered him the weapon, Phoenix refused to lose and then also didn't win the match. So either I think the triangle will start to fracture because of this, or maybe even the triangle will become a bit more serious after this. The idea of like Pac being like, I told you, lads, like we need to do whatever it takes and then let your brother start acting a bit more heelish.
1: No, no, absolutely, I agree. Um, that that could be a good good run there. Um, let's talk about one of the two World Championship matches on this pay per view. God, it's like a, a pre brand split um, WWE pay per view. Uh, let's talk about the World Heavyweight title that's uh, been thrown <laughs> in as a fatal four way. The Ring of Honour World Championship, current champion Chris Jericho, fresh from his run on Mass Singer. Who who fooled oh. absolutely no one by the way. Um, Brian Danielson, Claudio castnoli and Sammy Guevara. This looks like they were gonna go. Let's do a tag match, let's do the Jericho Appreciation Society against Blackpool Combat Club. Oh wait, we'll get a title. Ah fuck it, let's throw them in as a fatal four way. Um I, I think the I think Chris Jericho retains here, but I think this sets up his match for final battle on December 10th. I think if Claudio or uh, Danielson has someone down, Jericho runs in and either hits him with the title or does something to get him out of the ring, steals the pin and that person's like, I had that title won, I want a match at Fight, uh, was say fight for the Fallen. At final battle, I don't see Chris Jericho losing... The Ring of Honor World Title on the AEW Pay Per View. When in less than a month, there's going to be a Ring of Honor Pay Per View, which they're going up against NXT. So they're going to want yeah. to stack that card.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a I like Ring of Honor. I like. I've, there's been some great matches for the Ring of Honor World Title and great people who have held it, but. It's a sad statement that I'd rather talk about Jericho and the Mass Singer than a world title match involving the Ring of Honor world title. because <laughs> uh, yeah, we it, were victims like, of the night. <laughs> yeah, and then he tried to do a British accent, try and fool them, even though they <laughs> weren't know who he was anyway. Like it was a shit impression of like one of the guys from fucking Spinal Tap or whatever it was. And then
1: hello, how are you doing? Did I hear a British accent? No, Robin, you thick cunt. You certainly didn't.
0: Ah, uh, and then he did Smashmouth. And I'm not just saying this because you're here, Russ, because you know I've no plans of it calling you an arsehole. But uh, <laughs> last year we had a, a pod Christmas night where we went and did some karaoke, and you sang Smashmouth by All Star.
1: You did it better. I don't know what you mean. <laughs>
0: Yes, whatever one. I don't give a fuck anymore. (laughs) That song, that one for Shrek. But you did a better version of that on karaoke after a couple of drinks than Chris Jericho, the man who spent almost two decades as the leader of a rock band, did a cover of it when he couldn't remember half the words of keeping time with the song.
1: Well, back to the rules. hello oh fuck off <laughs> he looks so raging as well
0: to be like, eliminated there's a, there's a bit in it like in this chorus also goes hey now you're an all and then later on says hey now you're a rock star but he says rock star at the start of it and then you can tell there's some awkward in white, three where he I've got to repeat that I said the wrong bit <laughs> <laughs> and like, it doesn't. the clip I saw didn't show the judges when he's got his mask taken off and he's made to look like bloody crying for turtles but like (laughs) the the creator cheering like take it off and they're cheering just as he takes it off and like hey it's wrestling superstar Chris Jericho and there's a different the creator's still cheering but there's a different quietness as it's getting quieter as they're cheering like uh I I don't know who that is I don't watch wrestling you know (laughs) it was a part of the reason I I hated this so much it's not just because Jericho is shite uh it's because It was one of those harsher binders that despite all the Logan Pauls and the Bad Bunnies of the world and how good wrestling is at the minute it's not as cool as we'd like it to be
1: (laughs) There's a reason reason people like Bad Bunny and Logan Paul are brought in Uh Anyway, I I think we are running towards the end of Jericho's title run, I think the icy skates are getting pretty thin um,
0: <laughs> to <I> mean, <laughs> uh, again about this match me and Grant were talking about it uh, as well and we were like why the fuck is Sammy in here <laughs> like I know it makes, it makes all the sense in the world to have Garcia in this and then maybe lead to something with Garcia and Jericho at but no Garcia's on dark and dark elevation defending the pure tale against the likes of Leon Ruff and Brock Anderson right <laughs> now whereas Sammy's been inserted into this and, it's just, like I said, it's another step in the Jericho PSI v. Blackpool Combat Club, which has been going, I think, since April, because then they had the had the bloody anarchy in the arena in May at Double or Nothing. A month later, they had Blood and Guts, and there's the, the Brian versus Jericho at one point, Jericho challenged M- mostly for the world title, and then the Mo- Brian thing, the fighting over the custody of Daniel, and then randomly Daniel decided to the He's gonna stay with his weird, alcoholic uh, stepfather, Chris Jericho, who <laughs> can't sing, uh, and then Sammy got put in here, and then the easy. You no, know, Sammy will know what to do. And Sam awkward like that's what you do when you want the other guy to turn on his faction leader and be a face. But no one wants to cheer for Sammy Guevara because mm. he's a prick. That's oh, why he and uh, you yeah. probably get along so well.
1: Have you saw the the clip of Sammy Guevara in Dubai for the oh, uh, yes. recent Boyd Mayweather fight? Hey Dubai, do you want to see me box? <laughs> nothing, nothing. Literally. big, sexy Andy Sheppard of NXT UK was there, and he was affronted. <laughs> Sorry, Sammy. No one knows who the fuck you are.
0: Like he took the piss out of Bobby Fish's weird uh, "Where's the lie" line from an Impact that no one reacted to, and then ironically got the Bobby Fish pop as it'll now <laughs> known when nobody reacts <laughs> later on. Really, I'd love to see him box primarily because I like to see him get punched in the face. But uh, <laughs> uh, cause I'm pretty sure he's about the same age as me, and he looks better than I ever will. He, he may even be a couple of years younger than me. But,
1: no, he's, no, he's the same age as me, but he's like two month. He's a month younger than me. So thanks for that, Scott. Now I feel like shit. Anyway,
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, like like I said, I'm sick of Jericho, inside the Blackpool, Kong. Like they really. I really feel like they shit the bed with this Garcia thing. So I got something pointed out to me when I was listening to a podcast talking about Fulgur and they pointed out, you know, the last two, blood, the first two Blind Guts matches, I've just been rendered pointless because neither of them blew off the feuds that they were involved in because mm-hmm. MGF and Jericho continue to feud after the Pinnacle, in Circle 1, and then here we are in November and Jericho still getting into it with members of the Blackpool Combat Club.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but aye, Jericho to win here, I think. I think this match opens the show. Yeah. I think it would be great. You can have a match with Brian Danielson, and Claudio Castagnoli. That isn't great. Um, Jericho is not as good as he thinks he is still, but he's still pretty damn good. And Sammy Guevara is great in ring, despite being an annoying little twat. Um, so we went through, obviously, Wardless Mojo, Powerhouse Hobbs, the AW Trios title, the cage match, the TNA tag match, the return of Surrea, the TBS title, the Ring of Honor World title, the AW Women's title, and the AW tag titles. That leaves us with the AEW World Championship, John Moxley versus MGF. I'm going to say this now. I think it's time for MGF to win this. I think mm-hmm. it, he's had the Dynamite Diamond Ring, uh, which obviously entitles him to a title shot, doesn't it?
0: No, the Day of Ring is just a ring. Is it? The ring has right. no ring has no purpose. It just it's just a prop now for him to hit people within matches. Well, he's
1: obviously he's had his multiple title opportunities. He's had multiple feuds where he's came out the loser, and I th- I think the time is now. I think. When AEW was set up, um, and look, don't get me wrong, we were yearning for long-term storytelling and booking, and we got it, and we got it in abundance. With Jericho as the first champion, Moxley as the second, um, then we had Hangman, sorry, Kenny Omega, and then Hangman Adam Page. But they were the first four planned world champions, and that didn't allow for any organic growth or any any natural progression to happen you know when people were over it wasn't like oh, get him in the title picture now and now that we're in a post-punk world and all the carry on that's come from that and I think we know that Punk would still be champion had he not completely gubbed it for himself I don't think there's anything wrong with taking the title off John Moxley here. I think it, MJF's time is now uh, well, I say it's now, it was one year ago I think we're We're slowly passing his time and it needs to be, it needs to happen soon.
0: Yeah, I think if he doesn't win the title here and then has another title shot later on down the line nobody's going to really care as much because the idea that you kind of missed the boat at the perfect moment where you should have done it. And In hindsight, I understand why they didn't do it the last time he fought John Moxley in 2020 when I thought he was going to win it, but this feels like the story they've been telling. Like he was a heel with a faction, and then he turned against that faction because after the back and forth with Regal, he says he wants to prove it to himself, to every- all the fans, anti-Moxley and Regal, that he can win the title and earn it, despite still being a bastard. Uh, so I definitely think he's going to win the title. Moxley's been wanting to take a holiday <laughs> since before All Out, so finally he gets to take some time off because he does look knackered. And, you know, and you've got some new challenges that MGF can face. You can actually try and face some like younger guys who haven't really got a shot yet, like your Ricky Starks or even Bandidoos, Ethan Pages, those kind of guys, or even Jungle Boy Try and build some new challengers and not just the same people that we have been relying on. But I want to know what you think of this, D.D., after the interactions they've been having, that people think this is a setup for NGF to win thanks to help from a defecting William Regal. Oh, I, yes and no. I would like. Um,
1: I would love those two together. And I'm, I'm, as I'm saying it, I'm thinking in my head of the Paul Heyman, uh, CM Punk partnership, where it was a guy who didn't really need a mouthpiece, but he was elevated a thousand times by it. And you know, hey, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no, but I. I think William Regal would be better used as a mouthpiece for people that need it. Yeah. He's, that being said, that being said, selfishly, would love it
0: 110%. He's like, I've been to Regal's podcast and they did an episode on MGF where Regal, you know, gave them deep more detail about the story that MGF told about the email and all of that. And then they did an episode this week about meeting John Moxley and a lot of food that he and John Moxley had in SCW and their relationship now. And every in both of those episodes, Regal it's all about like how he's he was almost uncomfortable before doing a podcast because he was brought up not telling the secrets of wrestling, keeping it acting as if it's, you know, keeping the strength of the job, keeping it real and everything. So there is some key like he occasion sleeps in when he talks about current wrestling and, and what he's doing on Dynamite when he talks, but he's he was keeping up what MJF needs to do across both of these shows and know, keeping like the storyline going, so it feels like they're doing this crossover. They almost feel like they're setting up for an MJF Regal thing to happen. If Regal would be interested in doing that, because I'd like to see like the pop and the booze. You know, getting to see a Regal be a proper villain again. And uh, I've seen people online thinking, like, what's going to happen with his relationship with Excalibur if he if he turns heel because he's been doing that? Oh man, the mess. Look at you, you little masked man. You. and So I thinking, oh, I'd love it if he come out every week, joins content, right? and just insults this caliber now. Like, man, the mask, you're looking horrible today.
2: Little bastard.
0: <laughs> you, know, you need an extra mask, that one's not doing it for you. It was <laughs> uh, a great insult from like mid-90s WCW where he's to Mean Gene, he goes, you know what I know my New Year's resolution is? But get up an hour early so I can hate you for longer. <laughs>
1: I just, I I worry for poor Tony Schiavone (laughs) and what happens if not only MGF wins the title but it's done with help uh, it's done with help from William Regal I mean, he might be so upset that he isn't unable to uncomfortably pervert on Britt Baker for even longer
0: I mean, if Britt Baker also loses his surveyor it's going to be the worst night of his fucking life he might just bugger off and become a barista again (laughs)
1: <laughs> One mocha Starbucks heartache If you don't mind <laughs> no, Tony,
0: Tony we've had complaints What is it people are well, You keep crying into their lattes The woman said I'm her like name company. was Brit- Stop
1: writing bastard on the cups <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: but yeah, why, why, did you, why did you throw hot coffee on that customer He said his name was Max That so reminds me of that bastard
1: but yeah, I think, I think that'd be a great idea. It's certainly not something I've seen online, but now that I've heard it, it's something I would actually quite enjoy. But I think that's going to do is for our preview section of the, well, just about do is for the preview section of our show. Uh, Scott, I spoke to Gary uh, at the end of his section of the show, talking about ICW and, um, is there any matches you're looking forward to this weekend that you'd like to talk about? Because we are attending ICW's Fear and Loathing in the Garage on Sunday night. Three days of wrestling for us. We'll get Impact, AEW and then ICW.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Last Man Standing match. I'm a big fan of ADM. Uh, but I don't think he's going to win this one. But I do like seeing a good... Well, well when it's done properly, like seeing a Last Man Standing match. So I'm going to see how they to pull that off, and I'm looking forward to seeing Daz Black v Theodorus for the Zero G title, because I've kind of become a big fan of Daz Black from a lot of last seen of him when we went to shows, like when we went to Fear and Lowden last year, and he fought Francisco Akira, who's never mm. in New Japan, so, you know, he, he's kind of like a, a Scottish Paul London when I look at him sometimes.
1: <laughs> well, he's actually English, Yeah. <laughs> you
0: are. Well, well, he's an English Paul London, yeah. Uh,
1: there you are, English but trained in Scotland. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, I I agree We you. Two great matches right there. That we we ran down the cards. Um, looking forward to a night of debauchery. We're just hoping that <laughs> Gary tries to kiss Alan and not me. And if he tries to dry hump Chris Money again, that he does it in his own time. <laughs> but anyway, enough Chris about to, it Chris Chris Money at one point was trying
0: to dry hump but, uh. Gary, at one point last year, you know, he was just sitting I on like his lap that. in the car, even though he didn't ask him to. The
1: absolute debauchery that happens on these nights out. Despicable. Anyway, from a good Christian man, Ross McLeod, that's going to be all from me on this bumper edition of ESSR Central. Thank you very much to Gary for joining us. Thank you very much, Scott, for joining me for the preview section. And we'll be back next week to review everything under the sun from ICW, AEW, Impact Wrestling and looking ahead to War Games.